Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. As always, this is Jay. And I'm Shannon. And this week, we're uh, continuing our coverage of the Shinya Tsukamoto uh, Solid Metal Nightmares box from Arrow uh, with 1995's Tokyo Fist, uh, a.k.a. Tetsuo 3 Boxing. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this movie. Um, Because I thought, (laughs) I started thinking at first that it was basically just the same type of story as the first two, um, but for boxing. And actually, I want to read the back of the uh, the back of the case here. What it says right. in 1995's Tokyo Fist, insurance salesman Suda, played by Sukaboto himself, which I didn't I didn't realize that when I was watching. Yep. Uh, once again, another salary man filled with hidden rage. Uh-huh. Although Sukamoto is usually the one who brings out the salary man's rage, not the salary man himself. So true, it's, true. It's a little yeah. different. He he was the fetishist in the in the first yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Has a chance encounter with an old friend Kojima, played by Koji Sukamoto, the director's younger brother. Which indeed, that's cool. Um, now a professional boxer. Meek and mild-mannered, Suda finds himself threatened by the rawer and more visceral form of, oh my gosh, cat. Uh, the more visceral form of masculinity that Kojima represents, particularly when Kojima embarks on an affair with Suda's wife, Hizuru, uh, played by Kaori Fuji. Um, enraged and humiliated, Suda's only recourse is to enter the ring himself, setting the stage for the ultimate showdown between the two rivals and former friends. Now, all that stuff does happen in the movie. I mean, that's the basic framework, but that kind of suggests a sports anime, which I would say more applies to our second film tonight. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> this, this uh, description here kind of leaves out what, in my opinion, is the best part of everything that the girl does. Well, that as well, but also it's it's boxing, but it's boxing as body horror rather than as sports. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it's really emphatic about the brutality of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. it is sort of Tetsuo without a metaphorical layer. It's, it's like Tetsuo brought into a more real situation, like like the same interpersonal dynamics for the most part but also with a lot more for the woman to do and she's ultimately obviously the most powerful character in this oh yeah um there was actually a point when i was watching it i I messaged you and was like so is she actually the main character and you could make an argument for that it turns out well yeah she's kind of the the character who causes most of Every, like she she isn't uh the catalyst for it but like once sh- things start going she's the one who pushes everything else forward mm-hmm. and also kind of derails the whole thing to do her to do her own thing we'll we'll, we'll get into it i just i just think it's awesome i don't know i i would say that she is the one who guides all of it to completion like she is the one in charge forever after like an initial thing 
but we'll, we'll, we will get into it. Uh, I really love the opening shot, uh, boxing ring industrial dance party. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just very have... much uh, invokes Tetsuo 1. Well, both of them, really, because yeah. Tetsuo 2 also had the, the all of the guys in the steel mill. True, true. Uh, and it's it's very similar to that. You know, we have industrial music. It's another uh, score by uh, it's, uh, Chu Ishikawa, I believe. And yeah, just that same high energy industrial pounding and a whole bunch of guys in, in a dark room with like flashing lights boxing, but like mm-hmm. dance boxing. It, it's it's very much like like the human version of all the just metal swirling around in the first one which is what Hmm. most of that movie was yeah uh and we get kojima punching at the camera uh under the title of of tokyo fist from there uh buildings just lots and lots of buildings just so many buildings and they're all so huge and so imposing um and samey like just constant repetition yeah like like all of the buildings are the same and also each of them is like one discrete little block multiplied a thousand times yeah yeah and 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 we have like suda trying to sell insurance in one of these like just going apparently looking to be going from door to door which oh yeah i imagine that that, i imagine it takes a while i i he probably doesn't even get the building the whole building done in a day i mean it's probably an entire week it might be his whole job is just going through this building because like they're gigantic he's totally dwarfed by the the immensity of it and it's hot he's just constantly sweating it looks awful Uh Uh, and we we see him uh look at a boxing gym like he he's stopped in somewhere and he's lingering seeing just a boxing gym at the corner of his uh viewpoint oh yeah he um he goes there because doesn't his i guess his boss tells him to to uh give money to a boxer nothing really more is ever elaborated on that yeah i, I like i i assume his box his boss is sponsoring a boxer yeah. or he's betting on someone or yeah i i, I just assumed he was paying someone to throw a fight but yeah could i guess be. it could could be on the up and up but i didn't realize that was but yeah i mean who be. knows i mean it, it could be anything he's he's just sending money he's he's ferrying money because he doesn't really have any purpose he's a salary man he doesn't even it doesn't matter why he doesn't even know why yeah and and that's sort of the thing he's just it's it's an encounter with a life that he had left behind, uh, a level of life and aggression that sort of it has become foreign to him, but seethes away inside of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much that same. Um, this guy will destroy the world if if you just push him in the right way kind of energy. Well, I, I would say it's not even so much as just this guy, but like the toxic masculinity that burns within people that is just like this dark little core is ready to come out and destroy the world as we have seen in recent years oh yes this this is definitely a a toxic masculinity is bad movie there's a lot of it in there but but it's also just 
numbness is bad like it, it does kind of prefigure fight club in some ways that the fighting is like revivifying in a way for all of them uh they, they the pain releases them from their numbness as humans in the modern world i i made a comparison to fight club and i didn't even didn't even quite get the numbness part i well, I yeah, think there's a uh, lot it, of it, especially at the start. Of, yes. Yeah, I, I definitely did get Fight Club vibes from it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he runs into Kojima on the subway initially, and he's really bothered by it. Yeah, I think... Um, so Kojima is his old friend from school, or, or like probably high school. Yeah, they they, um, they hung out in high school, uh, but we, we we don't get the backstory of who they are together for quite a while. Yeah, like we don't really we don't even really get the feeling that they were friends at this point. Right. He just runs into him and he sees him. And then when he gets home, he tells his wife, Hizuru, uh, not to let him come over to visit if he calls. <laughs> and she's I. I love the wife. I don't know. I don't know what it is about her. I just. She's great. She's great. She's like her acting in this is amazing. She steals every scene that she's in, even in this one where all she's doing is staring blankly at the TV ahead. Well, and and this is a part where especially their relationship is completely numb. And, And like in. In all of the scenes where we see all the skyscrapers, everything is kind of tinted blue and in their apartment it's like just deep cool blue like it's it's not even tinted it's like suffused completely in blue everything is just totally numb the way they interact is not really human it's really not like like she's not even she she's talking to him but it also doesn't feel like she's acknowledging him it's so weird well, and it's it's the same for both of them. They just don't yeah. have any real connection with each other at this point, and they don't seem to have much of a connection with the world or anything. They're just completely numb in their being. Uh, and, like, notably, once – and this is getting slightly ahead, but when Kojima does show up and is in the apartment, he's all backlit in this bright yellow while they're still blue. Because yes, he still uh, has that power of life in him. <laughs> for now. Well, no, no, for... Yeah, he stays that way. You're right. He'll build up. Yeah. It it, it kind of wanes at certain points, because he has problems of his own. Mm-hmm. Necessarily. Uh, but yeah, so I, I feel like all of that is really interesting. The visual design, you have a lot of blue to kind of represent the numbness and the... Uh, just the the excess of modernity, like whenever we're in all of the Shinjuku skyscrapers, it's always got that really blue tone to it. But usually when we see Kojima doing something, he's usually within more natural surroundings. Yeah, yeah. The um, one thing I noticed, I didn't I didn't pick up on the color, but it looked like everywhere he was looked really hot. Yeah, it, but it's it because warmer. of the color, I guess. The color as well, because usually there'd be a lot of brown. They'd put him in 
where there's some natural things there's some wood if he's in the city they're gonna there the there are shots of him like from below so we see the sky in clouds at least uh and as well with all of those I, there's just a whole series of shots where we just see him lo- looming somewhere. <laughs> yeah, throughout this early just, sequence, <laughs> he's like he's like a Michael Myers in that way. He's just there. yeah, it's it's very Michael Myersy shots, like the the Michael Myers in the backyard with the laundry. Like there are a lot of shots like that of Kojima just lurking places, looking somewhere, but. We don't have a POV of someone looking at him. It's just, hey, what's Kojima up to? And like, oh, just being intense somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He'll just be like looking in a direction, not even necessarily like stalking any of the characters. Yeah, he's just in a place and it doesn't seem to be related to anything. It's just like, OK, I guess that's what Kojima's doing right now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he he gives off a. Uh... Like, he definitely, yeah, he's definitely got more energy than uh, Suda, but he always gave off real creeper vibes to me. Yes, he's got a very intense energy because he's completely asocial. It seems like he's devoted his life to boxing, but he doesn't have the... Like, ultimately, it turns out he's really cowardly about fighting and and he doesn't feel comfortable with it and he's just not able to devote himself to it somehow even though it's all he does so he has just this one thing that he does because boxing seems to be his entire life but But he's bad at it he can't do it yeah he's terrible at it it's fascinating (laughs) but but and like you would think well if he's so bad why doesn't he just get another hobby but it turns out there's a reason a yeah. dumb reason but a reason a weird reason yeah but like at all of these points he seems this really looming threat but you know as we get to know him we learn that like he's just as broken and ruined it's just he's got a little bit more life in him because he still feels pain <laughs> and he's <laughs> devoted to this cause that Ultimately, we never see dealt with in any way. No, no. I mean, it, it can't be. Well, sort it, of. It was... I mean, they had a specific plan that both of them ultimately seem to abandon. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> we will get to that, of course. It's... <laughs> uh, so we, just in between the, the night where we kind of get a feeling for the... <laughs> the unrelationship that they're in uh we have just this weird scene of kojima going to work and he sees a dead cat in an alleyway it's a very unpleasant shot oh, oh, so maggoty um, yeah yeah uh on the one hand why was that in there on the other hand i didn't question it because you know it's sukamoto we gotta we gotta have something well i but i think it's what does it I, mean yeah, so the I, I listened to the commentary track on this as well, and it's got uh, the the guy who does the uh, Tom Mess or Tom Mez who who does the track says uh, something about it being uh, to do with that sort of theme of of life, uh, and and like this this is obviously not pleasant life. Like again, it's it's rot, but it's. Uh, still more alive and raw than all of the antiseptic reality around it. 
Well, it's it's the only thing, even though it's a dead cat filled with maggots, it's the only thing outside of Kojima that really has any color to it right now. Because it's yeah. not the same. It's the only thing that's not blue. <laughs> and, it's, and it's completely contrasted with the, like, it, it's hard to emphasize. These are completely featureless buildings. They are hmm. spotless. They are... Just flat, There's no decoration. Flat, white, cold walls everywhere. Nothing. Like it's it's very green, eerie. It, it, it's so big. It's so big. I, and I, I, It's upsetting to look at, honestly. That it, I, it can be very troubling, yeah. And I mean, the, we're not from a big city. <laughs> you know, I've, we're, I've, we're from small cities, so... yeah. That, that probably uh, contributes to it. Because, like, I've been to Toronto, and Toronto has some of this, and it's horrible. <laughs> just yeah. awful to be in. Uh, in, the like, the main segments of Sprawl, it's just like, ugh, I'm going to die here. Uh, but in terms of the dead cat, I, like, there's also the thing, and it feels like sort of a metaphor for the whole strange pain-as-life thing that they all sort of get into, is that, you know, it's dead, but it's still literally full of disgusting life. <laughs> and with the, 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 just because it zooms into the maggots and there's just, oh, yes. there's so many of them. It's horrifying. And it, yeah, it, it, it feels like it's that kind of thing. Like it's just, it's incredibly full of life. And, and we get shots of this throughout the movie, just kind of oh, cut into montages. Yeah, they keep cutting it back to the cat. Yeah, it's it's really gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I get it, and it's it's uh, potent as an image, but I hate seeing it every time. It's really gross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, and also, I would say that it kind of presages things going off the rails very quickly because this is also when he comes home to find Kojima visiting against his wishes. Right. Um... Is this before, like, he also comes back to the alley, is this before, I guess... He comes back to the alley in film. between, I think. Because oh, okay. it's on his way to work that he sees the cat, and then I think on the way back he looks in the alley again and it's already gone. The cat's gone, and it just looks like, like a featureless alley, clean featureless alley, and it's yeah. more unsettling in a way. Yeah, because now it's just back to empty and lifeless and it's just it's been cleaned because the city is antiseptic yeah again the numbness of the city uh but yeah so when we see kojima there there's just this intense yellow light behind him through the blinds so he's heavily lit and like we we see a bit of it on um on hizuru through talking to him oh she I'm just remembering back because now that you mentioned the the light thing, like the lighting on her changes pretty oh, yeah. constantly. Yeah. Everyone well, else is kind of consistent. most alive. Yeah. <laughs> she's well, she's got a really, she's got more of a singularity of purpose than either of them. Uh, Cause like, I, I feel like if Huzuru or sorry, if uh, Kojima had stuck to his purpose and, had Suda along with him, maybe that's what he needed to make it work. But since he didn't have it, his, he just kind of fizzled out and he's broken. 
And Kojima just, you know, he has no purpose. He's just stuck in this dead end life. So he is just completely wound into nothing. But she just like, you know, this just sets her off. She's alive. She can just do whatever she wants from now on. Yeah. The fact that he that she just lets him in without even (laughs) even though uh, Suda specifically said, like, no, don't do it. And she's just like, nah. Basically, like, kind of, this is the first fuck you that we see. Um, the first of many that she's basically like, no, fuck you, I'll let this guy in. I can talk to whoever I want. Yeah. And, and like, she's numb, but she is ready to wake up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's... As we very, very soon see. Yeah, uh, that's one of one of the main things this movie is about, in my, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so she she tells about how they met their kind of uh, cutesy relationship where they met at a bakery where he was coming for lunch every day. Oh, yeah, I, I actually forgot. How how does this go? I actually forgot about this part. It, it was just like him coming to the same bakery day after day. Uh, and like she thought it was a chance meeting, but he was going oh, there specifically yeah, to meet he was, her. And he didn't even want the bakery goods. He it wasn't like he he was just throwing them away. He was just coming to get her. I've done that. It's weird and it doesn't work. Don't do this. Don't yeah, do this. It's, it's gross. And she tells it like it's sort of cute, but they're all really numb about it. And it's not all that cute. And everyone's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's a really weird. flat. Yeah, it's it's very flat. And it's like, huh? Yeah, okay. I guess that isn't that cute. Well, whatever. And they they all sort of go their separate ways. But we cut to Kojima, and he's just staring himself down in the mirror after it. Like this did nothing for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we learned he wants to fuck with Suda. We don't know why yet, but that's right. It's not so much his purpose, but it's what he's decided to do right now, because he doesn't, like you say, he still doesn't really have a real purpose. Right, because he can't fight. He wants to yeah. fight, but he doesn't have the ability to do it. And and we also find that Suda has been feeling tired and is awaiting results of a bunch of checkups. Oh, yeah, there's that weird thing about, I think it's his dad is in the hospital, too. Right. Uh, although we or, or his grandpa maybe or it is somebody. his dad it is because his dad. he dies later in the film mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah uh but yeah so he's he's awaiting the results of a bunch of checkups and i think this is also where we learn that they have not been having sex so like in, in addition to just all this numbness uh the the marriage is totally sexless oh yeah the way the way uh the way she uh or the way they reveal that he's just like, hey, when was the last time we did it? And she said something right. like, hmm, I don't know why. Or something, yeah, something like, equally dismissive. Well, it's of no interest to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it continues to be of uh, no interest to her uh, throughout the movie. That, that That's not uh, how she uh, comes alive. No. <laughs> uh, so Kojima's second visit uh, again, very against uh, Tsuda's uh, wishes. He he just shows up to visit again, and she feels his muscles and says that Tsuda is like a baby in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But like she's not making a pass, although he kind of takes it as one and he tries to kiss her. Or I guess oh, he yeah. kisses her and she's like, no, no, no. She's no. like, don't you fuck. She's like, this she is not what I'm here down. for. She's like, don't you fucking dare. Yeah. And he just he 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 backs off like immediately like. Yeah. It's like, OK. Scared. <laughs> well, yeah, he's terrified of her very quickly because she is so much more intense than either of them. Yeah, uh, this is. Suda just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like she and she's the, the actress says she sells it, too. Oh, she's great. Oh, my God. She's so good. Uh, and then, of course, Suda shows up shortly after he has left and she's totally straight about it. Like, yeah, he was here and he's super jealous just that he was there. Uh, she doesn't tell him anything about what happened. He still gets so mad that he punches a hole in the wall. I I wasn't sure when that happened, but like, yeah, that's that's uh, Suda's got also got like real big incel energy. He's, yes. Like, not only is their marriage dead, but he is not. He is not a good husband anyway. He well, is so extremely jealous. He's so full of rage. He keeps wanting to start fights. Yeah, he's. Like, like he's basically, he's basically abusive. Well, kind of, yeah. And he's, he's certainly emotionally abusive at this point. I, I don't know if he has been prior to this because it seems like their marriage was just completely in a boring deadlock where none of the, neither of them were really getting anything out of it. Yeah. Um, maybe not before this, but definitely now. Yeah. Well, like he, he just is unreasonably jealous, although some of that may have specifically to do with Kojima himself. And because like so th this well, comes out to be a really weird love triangle where both of them want Hizuru. Uh -huh. Hizuru wants neither of them. But, she wants them to fight each other. It's 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 a homestuck triangle. Oh fuck! Isn't it? <laughs> um, I think so. It's it's a yeah. We just need like about three more people, and this is a homestuck <laughs> relationship. Yeah, because like she wants to see them fight, and they kind of maybe are sort of in love with each other and hate each other. It's there. There's a whole lot of mixed up feelings there with them. Yeah, that. That doesn't get explored at this one as much as with the two male characters in the previous films. Well, again, um, with this there. one being, yeah, th this one being a movie that's more closely uh, layered in reality, although it, it gets cartoony at times, it, it feels like it's left beneath the surface where it kind of more frequently is left. Uh, especially, well, yeah, especially in 1995 Japan. That's a that's a good point corporate culture and everything mm -hmm. it's corporate culture and sports culture like both of them resistant to that because this is a movie about masculinity and <laughs> the toxicity of masculinity yeah. these guys are both really bad so yeah i mean it's it's bubbling under the surface and it's making them completely filled with rage but there isn't the, the catharsis can only be violent and not sexual uh between them where in Tetsuo, it can be both, and they can merge together and become perfect. 
but here they just destroy each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really wanted this to end with like <laughs> so they're just gonna turn machine. into a boxing tank. Become like a boxer Voltron of some sort. Yeah, yeah, a boxer Voltron, like um oh my god, like <laughs> almost like that uh, the third dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the same which is the same director as our second feature that's correct yeah cool but yeah as, um no it's so, it's 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 boxing it's not no they don't turn into a tank uh but their their faces get kind of fucked up <laughs> but kind first, of. so we see here kojima back in his apartment he's just rubbing himself luxuriously with oil and suda shows up to confront him about him having been there Oh yeah, is was this before or after the phone call? Phone call. Because uh, there's a point where where Kojima calls uh, Suda and is like, "Hey, she said she said basically some something like she said you were soft or whatever." Uh, maybe that yeah that might have muscles. been in between. Uh, yeah. I I don't remember somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Because and, but it's... yeah, he just basically straight up goes to Kojima's house. Yeah, and he's like, what the fuck are you after? Uh, trying to act tough, and Kojima just immediately punches him twice in the face, and just, like, blood just explodes out of his face. Through, uh, punches him through a door. Oh my god, yeah, that's right, and he's, like, super intense here. He's, like, like got this, he's in this pose, he's, like, ready to strike. <laughs> and... Yeah, and yeah, he he's exploded out out of the 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 apartment or house through the door. It just shatters around him. <laughs> and uh, and Hizuru immediately shows up to help. And I my initial notes I I wrote that she's terrified by Kojima's animal rage, but I don't know. Like she's troubled by it. Yeah. But I don't know if she's scared of it. It seems like she's like, hmm, this is. That's that was the, what I thought at first too, but yeah, no. Looking back, I I don't think she's ever afraid of these people. No, because like this is where it's immediately after this that she really comes alive because it's the next time we see her is when she pierces her own ear, and it's the first of many piercings that she has. Which is also uh, the ear, the first ear piercing, anyway is something i completely misinterpreted at first but but yeah we'll we'll go to that well that that is basically right here the the only thing in between is there's a thing at the boxing gym where we learn about kojima actually being a coward and a really bad fighter and that he ran away from his last fight oh yeah 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 basically um the coach thinks he the coach basically is like wow you suck you're the worst um, you have no future as a fighter. You, yeah. You like you, you need to start doing something different because this isn't working. Yeah. Whereas the the owner of the boxing gym loves Kojima. Yeah. He he figures he's gonna get it right somehow, and it's probably that Kojima has been doing this for years, just slugging away at it forever because he went into this in high school instead of doing anything else with his, with his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He. Well, but yes, he's not this good was at it. He has an aptitude. For it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so she, 
so she uh, gets puts on some glasses and pierces her ear with the big and gets the big hoop earring, which I thought at first incorrectly that she was doing this as a disguise so that Kojima wouldn't recognize her at the boxing thing. Oh, yeah, um, no, I, I that's think not why at all. No, just for the pain of it. Uh, and yeah. like again, the it, it it harks back to the metal fetishist of. Uh, Tetsuo, you know the the it sticking did metal. It reminds me of that, especially later on. Yeah, as the the piercings increase, uh, and then we see <laughs> we, we see Kojima actually have a fight, which he totally blows. <laughs> he's like, all he has, he he's so he blows it so bad that I that I thought like it was calling back to. When the guy, when Suda was giving money to a boxer, I thought he was being paid to throw this fight for how bad he blows it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he just sucks. No, he's terrible. And like Suda and Hizuru are both there to watch in in different places, like independently. But like at the bell, I really like someone yells, "You're both losers." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Kokushima's like got got the guy on the ropes, but just won't finish him off, and then the guy just comes back and creams him yeah and like we know kojima well, not even not... creams him because the guy kind of sucks too he just wins yeah i don't know like that guy might have been supposed to throw the fight and kojima just couldn't do it because like <laughs> kojima just can't fight he cannot actually go through with it somehow uh and um, except suda well, because that's the that's the fight that's he the wants. Whole, that's, that's the yeah. There, there's yeah, there's there's something there. Uh, but Suda and Hizuru obviously run into each other in the audience, and Suda asks her or why she's here, uh, which uh, of course she doesn't really have any answer to. And then we have a cut to just a very weird scuffle that they have. Oh, um, where they uh. Where like he's trying, it's trying like, to have it, sex with her. Like it seems like he might be, but like he's it's... he can't even seem to commit to any of that. He's just kind of hanging on to her and moving her around. Yeah, it's like really. It's sad. a rape scene with the it's... same kind of feeling of the numbness of the earlier blues, and like again, it's all blue. Yeah, there isn't yeah, any one... actual urgency to it. It's weird. Yeah, he's just like I, I. Now that I'm thinking back on it, I think he's just like, well, man's supposed to sex wife. Yeah, like he he's kind of trying to get into it, but like they're they Nobody's both are just totally it. blank. They don't. Uh, and I after like thirty seconds of it, it just like cuts to him numbly watching boxes going down a conveyor belt in like <laughs> the same same tenor. <laughs> It's like, oh, this is this is what life is. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's her birthday and they go out to dinner and he blows it with his jealous bullshit. Just oh like God, Kojima blew the fight. I think it's, it's exactly like the Kojima fight. It's his version of the Kojima fight. He blows it as totally. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly he says, but it's something like. Something either arrogant or possessive or... He's prying into... Like, she she mentions the kiss. 
And she's right. like, she, and to her, it was absolutely nothing because she has absolutely no interest in the guy. Cause she has absolutely no interest in either of these guys right now. Well, it should be nothing. I mean, she yeah. didn't consent to it and clearly didn't enjoy it. And she told him to yeah. fuck off. She has done nothing wrong with this kiss. Yeah, and Suda just keeps picking at it and picking at it, and she just gets up and starts to leave. She gets up and leaves, and he is like, no, 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 please, please, no, 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 please. And then she goes back, and then he starts being an asshole again, and she just gets up and leaves again. He he immediately ruins it. The first thing he says, like, they, she, he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, please, let's let sit down. We'll just sit down. It's, it's all right. We'll, we'll, I, I'll stop, I'll stop. And, like, he sits down, and there's, like, a pause and then he like leans in and is like, don't make a fool of me, bitch. <laughs> like, she throws a bunch of wine at him and she's gone. <laughs> like, okay. I love her so much. Uh, and she goes to Kojima. Well, yeah, yeah. She goes to Kojima. Um, but I and don't she, think. She asks him why he hit Suda. And he's like, I did it because I want to have sex with you. And she's like, well, I'm not into that. But. <laughs> But she's staying there anyways. Oh, yeah, right. She's and then I think she runs into. Yeah, that like to shoot out again. I, I like she left, I think. I Like, I don't know. Maybe she went to go oh, get her stuff. Yeah, that's right. She went to go get her stuff and runs into Suda. And oh, he I says something to her about like, you know, uh, something to do with the marriage. Uh, yeah. And she pulls down the corner of her dress to reveal that she's gotten a sleeve tattoo. Uh, yeah, something like, well, why do you think about showing your parents this or something like it's the most horrible thing in the world? But to Suda, for some reason, it is. Tattoos were very scandalous in the <laughs> 90s in Japan. Oh, OK. I didn't know that. I, I Like, it's it's a Yakuza thing, kind of. that oh, you Like, that the Yakuza did tattoos. Sense. Other people... You know, Respectable people aren't supposed to get them. And I mean, it was kind of that way in America up until fairly recently, too, you know? Yeah, people are very. Right. Yeah, people get really uptight about tattoos. I mean, hell, when I worked at McDonald's in the early aughts, you couldn't have a visible tattoo. Like, if you had a tattoo somewhere, it had to be covered up if you were working there, even if you were kitchen staff. Wow. Silly. Yeah, that's so dumb. Uh, but anyway, he he is scandalized by it. Oh yes, he, yes. Like scandalized enough that she just continues to walk away, and he's so thunderstruck he just stands there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not like a, a an offensive tattoo, or like it's just a no, ring just around a, her arm. Yeah, just like a, a cool little cool little design. Yeah. Uh, and so immediately Suda starts training at the gym. He's fueled with this burning rage inside. Oh, yeah. And then there's all these things like him and Kojima are at the same gym and Kojima is training him. But it's kind of it's 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 a weird dynamic there. Yeah, because... they're both individually training in the same gym, but like they don't quite work with each other. They're just like feeding off each other being in the vicinity and just like sharing all these looks mm -hmm. and like meanwhile Hizuru is also training we see her getting more tattoos we see her inserting a bunch more piercings yeah which 
And here's where I realized why she was doing it and that it wasn't for a disguise. Because the, the first point I was like, well, she could just pay to have it pierced. It'd probably be a lot less painful. Than, <laughs> oh. And she goes like, I don't want to say she goes overboard because, I mean, you do you, right? Yeah, but, some of them are crazy, though. Like, she has basically a steel bar in like a groove in her leg like one of the like the metal fetishist at the start but like actually a lot extreme. like that but yeah yeah but it's not it's the like same dirty yeah, it's rebar. Like, yeah the, this one's like a clean piece of metal but it's just a piece of metal stuck through like a groove like a piece of skin pulled up and yeah ugh. it's, it's not it doesn't me. look it doesn't look pleasant <laughs> what was it here the, this is where Oh, yeah, and so Suda starts training so hard, his knuckles get all destroyed. Oh, yeah. Really gross. So this is – so the the body horror is used sparingly here, but mm-hmm. it's used to great effect. Yeah, so, like, the the boxing does result in body horror fairly regularly. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, oh, yeah. a tear in the skin all the way across his knuckles and just, like, it's all out. Ugh, it looks Ugh, so – it's, like – it's like holes Ugh. and like we, we see him go out to get a drink or go out to get air. Like, I think the first couple times we see him go out, he like has to have a big drink. And after a while, oh, he doesn't yeah. need water anymore. He just right, goes out right. he's powered by his own rage. Of course, the, the, the training montage thing. Yeah. He, he, every time he needs less and less water. Yeah. And then he goes out and he's wrecked up his knuckles uh, and he runs into her. Oh no, that's later. That is later, because first, first is when Kojima and Hizuru are talking about something, and he phones to interrupt them talking and yells at them. You better not have sex. No sex. Oh, no yeah. sex. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> she just hangs up on him incredible scene and then oh, immediately he's outside throwing outside rocks and throwing yelling rocks. no sex no, no sex. sex no sex uh and then he starts heckling kojima because you know he ha- he knows about his bad boxing rep now and how much of a coward he is in the ring so he's got so much to go at him but then like i i really love this shot of kojima just slowly grinning rising behind her because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like she is talking to or to uh suda outside and like yelling at him and he just kind of rises behind her shoulder with this big grin on his face he he really knows how to look menacing yeah he doesn't have a lot of actual menace as it turns out but he's really good at looking the part when he needs to uh, and of course, she's kind of what the the coach was mentioning, like, like you can't just win on mind games or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and that's that's his problem. He's he's only got he's got he's his head in the, the game. Yeah. But he's, he, but he's he just got the mind games. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, Hizuru says she's splitting up with Suda. And it seems like he should have realized it by now because she's living at his rival's house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he and he's just like, oh, it's like the sad Charlie Brown walks. Oh yeah, that hers. He's astonished. He cannot. He's like, what? But what? 
it's incredible and of course this is when his training just gets super intense and he he has all the rage in him oh yeah and of course uh kojima and and uh uh, Hizuru are not having sex still. They they really nope. aren't. They're, she's not into it. He wants to. And he suggests it sometimes. She's like, we could box. I'll I'll fight you. <laughs> oh yeah. She she wants she wants to fight somebody, anybody. She really wants to get in a fight. She wants to punch someone so bad. <laughs> she she's like she wants an excuse. She she's the Edward Norton. Yeah, like of, she, of the fight club. But like they're allowed to fight. They're allowed to get into these scrapes, but like she doesn't have an excuse for it. She needs them to bring her into the fight. Right. So oh my gosh. Yeah, her okay, now her thing makes so much more sense to me because I like I, I knew this was all like about her awakening, but I didn't quite you you put it into words better than I <laughs> thought it. I, I really like this scene because, like, she is immediately so menacing. She's like, you're not scared, are you? And she starts to try to make him fight her, and he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kojima, who was so threatening only a handful of scenes earlier. Oh, she is by far the most the most powerful presence in this whole thing. Yeah. And it's it's this point where we have like the big training montage of the water and like needing less and less. And then he goes out and she's there at the water machine and he runs into her and he sort of has some of his confidence back because like he's become really good at boxing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is the end of the montage. It's like, I don't need water. Hey, it's you. Uh, and he's he admits like he's he's totally chill and he's like i admit i i'm a little intimidated by you now i i i, I gotta say and just that he's completely able to just come out and say that shows that he's kind of gotten a little bit out of himself he's much more alive now yeah yeah he's he's starting to be shown in the the yellows a little bit and so yeah. is she actually well, yeah, I mean, she's been... Well, living. actually, no, she has been for a while. <laughs> and this is finally where we get the backstory. Uh, or no, no, not quite, not quite, not... sorry. Um, first, yeah, we Kojima's have the moon, the... Yeah. the moon sequence. Oh, right. Where everyone just... Everyone. Is, everyone is just looking at the moon. This moon is so important. Just this beautiful blue moon, and we see each character observing it from a different place on their own, including both of the boxing coaches, who we, we only sort of know, like the boxing coach and the owner. Yeah, yeah, we. I don't think we even get their names. Yeah, I don't remember. They might just be coach. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, and so this is, it. it's during the moon sequence that Hizuru asks Kojima, uh, when did Suda start boxing? And he he gets into their backstory and why he wants to fight Suda. So this it's is weird. Weird. Um, I wonder. Okay, so oh, all right. So what it is is um, I guess Kojima or Suda. I don't 
remember which one of them had like a girlfriend or something when they were in school. In or high was school. Was it even? Yeah. In I'm high not even or, sure. Like I, I was it not might have just been on, a girl they knew. I don't know if they even knew her. That, that's the thing. I'm totally unclear on what relationship they had to this girl. We just know that there was this girl who was attacked and killed. Yeah. Um, it, and it's like the, these guys were brutal tra- way too. It was it was gruesome. Yeah. They, and they they were trying to sexually assault her, and they pushed her around, and she fell on a pipe. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. very brutal. And. For whatever reason, I, it's it's totally unclear what their relationship is, but they're like, we're going to learn boxing after high school and we're going to get revenge when those guys get out of jail. Because they get yeah, caught they, pretty much. They get caught right away. But the, and then, oh, yeah, because as soon as they get caught by the cops, we see this montage of Suda and Kojima in that freeway just rage, just, just raging rage, out, rage, oh. rage, rage. It's like pouring like motor oil all over themselves. Yeah, it's like, guys, justice is served. But no, we didn't serve the justice, though, because, you know, it was. Yeah, they wanted job. to kill those guys. Yeah. Uh, like, so they're like, we, we got to get when, when they get out of jail, we'll we'll beat them up. Yeah. So we got to yeah. land a box. Yeah. And then Kojima's like, and then he just forgot about that, that dream. That insane thing. Like that. He, he got like he, he went on with real life. Oh, my God. It's like, okay, so when I was in grade five, I watched, or whatever year it was, I watched Jurassic Park, and I was like, oh my god, you know what? All you need is a mosquito and amber and and inject it into a frog, and you got dinosaurs. I can bring the dinosaurs to life, even though the point of the movie was that you probably shouldn't, but you know. They're wrong. Dinosaurs. So it was like, you know what? That's my life's goal. Right. I will bring the dinosaurs to life. <laughs> and it's like, now imagine if I had a best friend who was like super into my goal. Okay, pretend you're into my goal. You're like, mm-hmm. you're like, yes, let's bring the dinosaurs to life. And then we meet up 40 years later and I'm like livid that you aren't bringing the dinosaurs to life. Right. It, it's like that. It's it, just like, like that. Why it's like, you training? why aren't the dinosaurs here, Jay? And yeah, it's it's like he, he needed him to be with him to do this thing. And it, it doesn't even seem to be about this it's revenge thing, because that's never not like yet. they're like, for all we know, it's years and still years until these guys get out. This guy yeah. gets out of jail. Yeah. And who knows? And like. Yeah. Why is that a thing that you need to do anyway? It's really not clear. And like, like these guys are serving their time now. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got caught. And yeah, it's yeah. so weird. it's so childish. Um, it, it's not. It's, strange. it's not like it's not like the justice system let him go or anything. It's not like it was America. No, they didn't go free. They're like they are in jail. It, it just seems like. Again, it, it just it's just it's Kojima needs Suda for I'm some not reason. The one, I wanted to be the one to beat him up. <laughs> and he needs him, but like he needs him for violence. He he needs him violently. 
uh, and he just doesn't know how to deal with it in any other way. So he's just become turned in on himself and he can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And his heroes are like, I'll, I'll fight you instead. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do it right now. And he, he, he's like, I, I no, I can't do it. And she's like, you're a joke of a boxer. And she's out of there. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she just goes and punches a bunch of metal and just like destroys event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that these people have superhuman strength when they need to show off their rage. But when they're, like, fighting or whatever, they're just normal. Well, it's because their rage is what fuels them. The the rage is the life in all of them. All they have is rage. Hmm. And really, it is. Like, none of them have any romance. None of them have any particular drives. There is no goal that anyone actually has in this movie, ultimately. Anyone who has a job has a shitty one. Yeah. and If they even have one. Yeah, it's just pure rage. That's all they have. And the the more rage they have, the more live they are, because that's all there is. Uh, but finally, Hizuru also, I guess, punching through all of that metal kind of got something out of her system, and she takes all the piercings out. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, she it's like right out. after that. Uh-huh. Like, we, we get a montage of just her removing all of the piercings. Yeah. Um, oh, shoot. And then it's after that. This is after, or right after this is when Suda visits the hospital to find out his father has died. And we get, like, again, it sort of slips back into this blue antiseptic. Oh, yeah, but here, here, here he is just, he's, it's it's like the, the looming Kojima shots, but here it's just like him standing in the middle of, like, just standing in places stunned. Yeah, like it, just, among like the just, skyscrapers of Shinjuku again, like the earlier scene. So again, like into the blue again, but he's got, he's not as blank within it as he was. Well, I I, I kind of thought he was at the time. I mean, I guess not, because well, he still does things after this. So Yeah, I mean, and there's, in the others, he's just going from place to place and sweating and feeling horrible whereas here like he's reacting to something at least <laughs> like, that's true there, there is that's something true. going on there in his mind he's he's not just empty even if he's filled with sadness at this point you know he he's grieving well okay you know that's a good point that's that okay so yeah i felt the I, maybe i was but it's a different sort of numbness emptiness Right, it, yeah. like it's a different sort of numbness. The 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 numbness of grief versus just the numbness of being empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having an empty life, and he phones Suzuru up because he wants to meet her. She he he tells her, <laughs> yeah, it's he he tells her that her father or that his father died, and she's like, yeah, I figured that would happen. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, well, how about we go meet up under the underpass and we'll we'll talk. And uh, she's like, I don't know, maybe. And he goes to meet her. But uh, of course, she never shows up. And this is where we just see him in a long series of locations all through the night and just getting dirtier and sweatier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like he's always like when we see him, he's always standing still. Right. Just like staring straight ahead. But like it's implied he's just. 
it, it's kind of like a slower version of all those stop motion city moving around you shots totally from uh tetsuo one it's like like we know he's moving but we don't see him moving yeah so a, a very similar kind of version of that it, it, it's again the more realized version where a realistic version in, in a sense or realism take of it where yeah it's just in places yeah but, and just getting more and more disheveled yeah and meanwhile we we see a, a fight with a different fighter kumagaki who is a much tougher guy uh, he has tattoos for every opponent he has defeated um i interpret it as because like if you got a tattoo for every de- opponent you defeated you You'd be covered in them. I, I interpreted it as people he's killed in the ring because it, it's, it's well, they, as a threat. They literally he... say they they are tattoos for every opponent he's defeated. Like that oh, okay. that is what they say. I don't know what that I, means I... All, overall. Okay. But we do uh, see him then kill someone in the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that somewhere somehow it was implied that he kills or can kill people in the ring. Yeah, that's right. He. That's what happens here. Well, it's because we then see him kill someone, or yes. seemingly. I mean, he destroys this guy. It's uh, oh, yeah. Aoki, who we have seen, I guess, in the gym here and there. I, uh, I, and, I have kept track of none of the other characters besides the main three. and. Yeah, I mean, everyone else is pretty tangential to their core triangle, mm-hmm. much like the, the other two. And then... Uh, so, like... We we have this weird scene of Hizuru showing up to watch the fight in just a really dirty dress. I guess she's also been having her own weird <laughs> tour through Shinjuku, getting filthy, but not seeing uh, yeah, Suda during it. Well, this is the same dress that she was wearing at the beginning that yeah. she got from Suda. And right. My... my the way, my feeling was like she'd just been wearing this dress the whole time, just not pretending to live a quote unquote normal life anymore, just obsessed with this new obsession of hers and just doesn't even care about her physical appearance anymore. But it could also be that, yeah, she's went through a depression dishevelment walk uh, montage off screen. It could have been that, too. Yeah, it's not really clear what she's yeah. doing during this time, but, but it's, it's interesting it's that she's back in that dress because she yeah. wasn't wearing that dress when she was with Kojima. And it's, you know, it, it sort of represents Suda in a way because he gave it to her. But So her going back to it is, it, well, it, it is kind of interestingly symbolic because her, the, the how she relates to the two of them is shifting again. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, because she's, because Kojima won't, fight her but she she does have a feeling that uh maybe suda will yeah oh yeah right she says to kojima at one point like if you're trying to awaken suda he'll fucking kill you you'll be the first victim yeah that's right you will be the first victim he will fuck you up yeah which is, is again that like that toxic masculinity once you wake it up it's just destruction yeah totally uh, and I, I really like there's that guy in the audience who's with 
uh, who's with Kojima, and he just offers her a potato chip. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And then, and then we just cut to like across the audience. We see Suda there just staring, staring at them very <laughs> I'm just imagining him, him throwing potato chips, like no sex, no sex. Although and and I'm making have... the motion with my arm, even though nobody yeah. can see it. He he doesn't have quite the same. I don't know. His he he has a bit of a different persona at this point, but it's he's still just like so amazed every time he runs into her, being anywhere, doing anything. Uh, and then we we cut to him crying, and he imagines an oiled kojima poised to fight <laughs> and then he starts flashing back to just all the stuff we we see like the the murder that sure <laughs> started the whole the thing we definitely see the cat again yeah and kojima all oiled and poised which you know that that's a charged <laughs> image because like great. again from when he beat him up but you know, yeah. that's what they're heading for Which again. Is, like the only time we see Kojima, the only time we see Kojima win is yeah. so far, at least, is is right there. And it's the first time we see Kojima do anything. So I thought Kojima was a badass and he's not. No, no. <laughs> and then Suda, he goes to Kojima and he, he asks him to let Hazuro go and he threatens him to fight <laughs> that's right and, and, and my reaction to that was kind of like I'm let her go being like let her go i've been trying to get rid of this crazy girl for weeks take and her course, away from me please of course like he is just playing it like he really oh, yeah. he still, still wants to have is, a fight yeah he, he does it's it, for him it's never was about hisaru he doesn't actually care no. about her at all well, he kind of, like he does want to have sex with her, and he yeah, just, but you know, I I feel like it's more that he wants to have sex with Suda. <laughs> There's that too. But he he can. More, I think it's more like you know, if I can get sex with Hizuru out of this too, that'll be all right. But you know, it's kind of not worth it at this point. Well, I because we will get to the one scene where they do have sex and. It's weird, and he is sort of he has trouble getting into it too when it, when it finally does happen. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there there's a lot of weird issues around sex and sexuality here for oh, sure. Yes. So they they start there are they are planning to have a fight in the ring, like the two of them are arguing. And it's like okay, we are going to have it out, but we'll fight in the ring. This is how we're going to do it. And we see Hizuru watching them from the window. It's like, okay, my plan is coming together. <laughs> and then the the coach is like, okay, Kojima, you're you're gonna fight Kumagaki next. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. And he's terrified, but the coach is like, no, you can do this. You you just need to, you know, be better. <laughs> <laughs> just all the stuff you did from all your previous fights, don't do any of that. Do do something else. Yeah, just, you know, stop being a coward. If you actually fight, you can beat him. But, like, if you don't fight, he's going to kill you. So this is going to make you fight. Yeah, like, I sort well, of see his point here. Like, he, a he, good, has, a good point. Like he's, he has the ability. 
It's just he he does it. He's not using his potential in any way. Yeah, but and, and if he doesn't, this guy will kill him. Oh yeah, this guy will destroy him. Uh, and Hazuru is done with his shit too. She tells him that night, she's like she's getting the tattoo covered up, and Kojima needs to stop being a coward and fight. And finally, he's like, "Okay, I'll, I'll fight then. I, I got it." Now, how? I'm trying to remember. This is—is is this the one where he gets just—is this like the last fight at, before the basically? Credits, so, or? like, we have a bit here in between because he has to still train. So oh, we see okay, him training. Right. So he—he's not fighting his root or um um the guy yet. Not for like that's the final scene. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So first we see him shadow boxing, like he's he's fighting a plastic bag in the ring first. <laughs> and Suda, meanwhile, is also training much harder. Uh, and oh. we, we this is this where someone invites him to spar in the ring, <laughs> which does not go super oh, great. Oh yeah, and Suda just wrecks the guy. Well, first he goes over to Kojima and he's like, "This guy's you." <laughs> <laughs> Like, dude, and man, just, this guy just wants to box. Leave him alone. And he just beats the shit out of the guy. Three people have to restrain him. They they eject him from the gym. I, I imagine this poor guy, like, volunteers at the youth center. Very possibly. I mean, he's just some guy. He's just some guy, man. He doesn't, he don't, he doesn't need to be pulled into this bullshit. And Kojima is terrified by this, and then he... Or uh, Suda phones their house and he's like, either Kumagaki will kill you or I will. And <laughs> it, it cuts and it's Hizuru listening. She's like, uh huh, I'll, I'll relay the message. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And she leaves, she, but she, like, she's going to just go get a radish, and Kojima's like, you're leaving me for him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's that's right. Is when she she's goes like, I'm to just get gonna radish. go get a radish. And then she gets like this, this huge radish. It's a ca- it's like a cartoon radish. Well, I, I think or it's is, a specific are, type of radish. I I think it's, it's a huge. It horse radish. I don't know. Huge, um, huge radish. Like uh, you could club somebody with that. Yeah, it's it's like the size of a baguette. Uh, and on the way back, she finds herself under that overpass where she was supposed to meet with Suda. And oh, he's there. Yeah. And he's there. And I love this scene. Such um, a great scene. This is amazing. He walks like like she's staring him down. He walks up to her like full of confidence, full like I've been training. I'm like the best boxer. I'm going to tell her that whatever. And he's like inches away from her face staring they're staring each other down staring each other down and he just walks like he breaks turns to the side and starts sobbing and he just like walks just and then she starts the punching frame. him <laughs> <laughs> yeah she just, she just punches the shit out of him she pu- they alternate from like he she's punching him and then like he'll like bash his head against the wall oh, right first he started bashing his head against the wall that's right <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, "Stop that!" And then she starts punching him, and uh... and then he he he's like, he asks about Kojima, and she says, "I wouldn't mind if he beat me to death." And Suda finally punches her, and like <laughs> she falls, and the radish breaks in half, <laughs> <laughs> like right down the cliff. 
clean cut right down the middle. And and this is when he's crying and she's laughing. <laughs> yeah. And I think he starts bashing his head some more or she punches him some more. This is like she's laughing and he's standing there crying. And then she walks over and like we just see her punch, 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 punch. Yeah, yeah like just punching the camera. And it just cuts to like possibly hours later and his face is just a destroyed pulp. <laughs> oh yeah. They're, they're just sitting outside. Um, this completely reminded me of that scene of fight club after the very yeah, first fight absolutely. where they're just sitting together, like beat to shit one in this case, one more than the other. Yeah. And it's like, this is the sexual release they have needed all of this time. They're finally kind of comfortable and it's just the two of them sitting. And I think it's, specifically in yellow light it's in yellow and, and yeah they're yellow they just like are under the the underpass and just like ha ah, all right <laughs> and she's yeah. like so what were the results of those checkups and it's like you know i haven't felt tired since then <laughs> <laughs> and he he grins but his face is all destroyed <laughs> oh yeah because this is where they start having like ludicrously uh huge bruises like the lump on her face from the one punch he gave is just like this huge crater (laughs) and then she goes back to kojima and they have really violent sex (laughs) really violent because she needs to get him going to his fight she needs the fight to she needs to finish the whole circuit the all they they need to fight Mm mm-hmm Sorry, I was just trying to remember, like... So this yeah, is the, the next day they ha- they finally spar. Oh, yeah, okay, so they The day of Kojima's big match. And this is the part where I thought they were going to do the anime thing where they both punch each other in the face at the same time. and They but, don't do that. Nope. Uh, they just spar. They're, they're finally... They, they have to have it out, even though he has got a big match right after this, and he... Mm needs his energy for it and they really beat the shit out of each other oh totally uh it's incredibly bloody like all of the boxing in this movie we haven't really come up on it much but it's all super bloody there's huge sprays of blood all the time oh yeah like like cartoon fountains of blood like like anime blood sprays exactly and especially here kojima's last punch to he he wins the fight he does beat suda and there's just an explosive spray of blood from his last punch oh yeah and then he gets all bandaged up and then uh, we see at one point like blood just starts pouring like a fountain from or like a waterfall from the bandage well suda yeah because suda's in hospital and he's lost one of his eyes from this yeah you see just blood pouring like we there there are bandages over both of his eyes but we see blood just pouring out of the socket where <laughs> on that one side and, and, and i'm talking pouring pouring yeah like like somebody opened up a fire hydrant yeah it's it's super gross but kojima's fury is freed now and he's ready for kumagaki mhm <laughs> and the the last fight like it's weird Cause he is just misshapen now. 
Yeah. And I don't remember how the fight goes because I just remember. Well, end. he wins. Yeah, yeah, he wins. He 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 is able to beat him, but like he gets a lot of hits in doing it, and then we we get just his triumphant like pose when oh, he's defeated him. Pose, and we're like, first we're looking at it from like the side. Well, first we sort of see the or audience like reaction, behind. and the audience yeah. is like, Ooh. yeah, the, the, like they stop cheering. They're just kind of like, and, and and we like pan across him up to his face. <laughs> yeah, and we never like we never see the whole thing, but we see, or or maybe I just looked away because I'm a. <laughs> Well, we see like a lot of it. Like we see just a, a pretty clear look of just how incredibly puffy and distended everything is. Like he looks insane. He, he doesn't no, he look like, like a person his face, anymore. Like ripped apart. Like yeah. Like he's like he's had like the predator, but like with that human like jaws still and his lips are just gigantic and his, his nose is huge and his his head all body puffy. "Quote unquote," that I'm here for. <laughs> this is this is what I want. And there's like blood spraying out of yeah, different like, places in his face. Yeah, like just little, <laughs> like like uh, like those leaky, uh, like a leaky pipe that just squirts out a teeny little spray of water, but it's blood, and there's like a bunch of them, lots of them, all over the place. Uh, just, ugh, it's, it's super gross, but he's triumphant. He's laughing. Yeah, he won. Uh, and, you know, we, we find that Suda lo- lost his eye. And then we get this really strange final shot of the punching bag on its own shaking as if it itself is alive. Yeah, that was like. It gave me a vibe of is somebody in there. Has there <laughs> been somebody in that bag this whole entire time? I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it's a really striking final shot. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. and I mean, all of them are punching bags who have come alive. Really, it's it's metaphorical for all three of our characters. Yeah, but they don't solve the toxic masculinity problem. They just beat the shit out of each other and themselves. Yeah, that's this is the realistic and it, it, version. It just breaks them. It just. Again, yeah, it's, it's the realistic version. They're all destroyed yeah. by it, but you know they yeah, had they're... to do it, and this is just the only uh, release that they had available to them. Oh yeah, and then we see like the the city just like just going on like the this titanic struggle with these three people had no effect whatsoever on the outside world at right. all. Yeah, nobody Unlike... even knows about it. Yeah, unlike with Tetsuo, where you know their their rage destroys the world, here their rage destroys themselves because yeah. that's what rage does. <laughs> yeah, and like life goes on, and this isn't even anything. Nothing was accomplished. They just got destroyed. Well, Suda lost an eye, and uh, Kojima became a bloody misshapen horror. <laughs> that's not an accomplishment. <laughs> I don't know. It's an accomplishment for Zuru. <laughs> she got everything she wanted. Things worked out really well for her. Yeah. I guess, sort of. Mostly. I she guess. seems pretty glad 
she, she's, she seems to have gotten what she wanted to some extent by the end. I don't know if either of them did. Kojima seems happier than he was. Like, he's yeah. freed. And now he has to go try to get a job. <laughs> I don't know about that. He's He's a successful boxer now. Oh, oh, yeah, he could go up to Mars and um, uh, and fight cockroaches. He's not a kickboxer, though. Oh, you're right. right. Uh, So uh, any any final thoughts like uh, this is the end of the movie? What what else? Um, I I love this one. This is this is a great movie. I don't want to say that it's my favorite of Tsukamoto because uh, Iron Man, like the first one, really stands on its own as its own unique thing that doesn't compare to anything else. Yeah. But this is my favorite of the other two, of Mm. of this one and Tetsuo 2. Yeah, I I really love all three of them. Uh, And so this is his, I think this one is the fourth movie. Uh, Unfortunately, the box set doesn't have it's either the second or third one is absent Huruko the goblin uh but i will have a copy of that soon so we'll be able to throw that in sometime ooh, ooh. um uh, yeah i like I, I, I like that it's not just one character or two characters like 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 now the girl is a character this time and yeah and she's a, a very character. formidable character absolutely oh my god what a like, even though like this is about, I love her. She's, she's <laughs> I just have having her in this in this movie made it so much more. Uh, you just don't see this kind of thing. You don't like the girl in these kind of movies is always nothing. Well, that's the thing. This is a balanced triangle. This is a triangle where there are stakes on every side. Yeah, yeah, like she's more than just a prize to be won by these two guys. And no, not more than just a prize to be won. She's not a prize to be won by these two guys. No, I mean they both sort of think she is, but she is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. She and has th- a lot more agency than either of them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like such a such a good exploration of uh, like toxic masculinity and like the both metaphorical and real effects of it that like that seem prevalent today and like just the the ageless ageless um oppressive architecture like this this feels like a timeless movie um nothing great use of color incredible use of color just a really strong metaphorical use that that's clear and <laughs> cogent like it's it's very easy to kind of get the feel of it because it's an emotional use of color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like and like i say that i didn't notice it but i absolutely could remember what's what color every scene was as we were talking about it yeah so it's really distinct. clearly i did there. notice it it's yeah. definitely there your mind um, noticed the colors. It just you 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 hadn't quite gotten the the background of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This yeah, this one is this one is my favorite. Uh, although because I consider first Iron Man to be more of an experience than a story. <laughs> so this one's my favorite story. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, the, like that that first Iron Man movie is to me kind of essential and perfect, but. Yeah, there, oh, there is yeah, nothing yeah. else I, quite like it. It's, yeah, it's just like, a thing. I'm, like, to, it, 
is this better or worse than that? No, <laughs> that's not a question that. Yeah, you answer. just kind of can't compare it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's special. It's its own thing, but this this is really good. Super good. Uh, so of course the next one in the box is Bullet Ballet. I don't know a whole lot about that one exactly. Um. Uh, my understanding is that it's an almost silent film. Like there, there's pretty much no dialogue. It's it's uh, more just. Sorry, looking at the back of it right now, because it's uh, because I have the box set here. It's like in 1998's Bullet Ballet, TV commercial director Goda, played by Sukamoto, his world Again. is rocked when he loses his girlfriend Kiriko, uh, to suicide. Oh. Uh, his ensuing grief and desire to understand the circumstances of her death lead him down a dark and violent path, exploring Tokyo's seedy underworld, where he comes face to face with juvenile delinquents, gang violence, and an illicit fighting ring shot in black and white and told largely without dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullet Ballet immerses the viewer in the lightless depths of human suffering. Now, this could go anywhere because he's very good at shooting in black and white and yeah with, and, and not using dialogue like, well yeah dialogue has not been a really significant element of the earlier ones there it's yeah. a bit more important here but very precise there's not a lot mm-hmm. i'd say there's enough I, oh, i'd yeah, say no. there's the right amount yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's it's not that there's a lack of dialogue. It's just the the dialogue is very precise. It's it's like Eastwood in Fistful of Dollars. Uh, the dialogue all counts. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, I agree with that. Yep. So so this this looks interesting actually. Yeah. So I we're mean, go with that next, or uh, obviously there is since this is a box set, there is also the option of what is beneath it. Uh, in this case, it is currently Story of a Three-Day Pass, the first film by Melvin Van Peebles, uh, uh, father of Mario Van Peebles. Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> a very important black exploitation director. He essentially created black exploitation with uh, Watermelon Man and Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Okay. Uh, this is his his movie that he made in France before that uh, about a soldier on three days leave from his racist commanding officer. And so he gets to just spend some time in France and he has a romance with a white French lady. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, I have not seen this one. I've seen his other films, but been meaning to. While that does sound interesting, I don't think I've done a Sukumoto. I I had a feeling. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, we're not ready to pick to pick from the list yet, but looking no. at the looking at the thing, I this one's a strong like Bullet Ballet is already a strong contender just from the reading at the back of the thing. But we'll see where we'll see what we end up with. Indeed. Uh, all right. So, uh, any last thoughts before we move on to part two? Um, I will have tons of last thoughts after we're done recording, but for now, no. All right. And we are back and starting on our second film, Takeshi Miike's Terraformars. <laughs> I, I, was, uh, I, I was accurate in how much I stated that it is an anime slash manga. <laughs> oh, no, it is not just an anime. It is, it is every, every anime. Yeah. 
it, every distilled. Every trope that I can think of is in this, and everything that's in this is a trope from anime. It's it's I, incredibly tropey, and oh, I think yeah. maybe this is part of what people don't like about it. Because this, as I mentioned last week at the end, this is a movie with a pretty poor reputation, like badly reviewed. Yeah, um, I actually was looking at the back of the box, and it is based on a manga of the same mm-hmm. name. Yeah, so and I hear it's that very, explains very a lot. Closely. Yes, this is based on a manga. I my understanding is that it's very closely based on it. It it, it feels like it. Like once I saw that, when I was watching it, I knew he was like he was making an anime. But once I saw that it was actually based on an existing manga, everything really made sense. Yeah, because I one of the things about the movie that is maybe a little problematic is how repetitive it is because it's got a lot of characters to introduce and a lot of specific things that each of them can do and it has to introduce all of those things so it has to do the same thing over and over again to do it whereas it would make more sense in a manga (laughs) like if you were looking at it on the page it would feel less artificial this is definitely a 12 episode anime or or similar length manga condensed into uh, an hour and 40 minutes and oh, it's dense it's very dense i there's mean there's so many characters you need to meet and understand to some extent and they all have ulterior motives and <laughs> and even the movie itself just gives up on some of them pretty much all of them are bad guys too like yeah they're, they're there's sort like of... maybe one good person there's like there's there are there's one good person maybe two good people and at least one other person with good reasons right um yeah there there's some there's there's a little of that but most of these people are they're they're like <laughs> they're mostly bad they're mostly working for the same guy but against each other it's really kind of weird Right. So our I I guess sort of the first person who matters here is our evil scientist, our (laughs) Japanese quasi Nazi. (laughs) What is his deal? I mean, he is he is a prototypical anime bad guy. He I I looked at him and I was like, hey, it's my chemical romance. (laughs) He's Gerard Way esque. A little bit. Um, also, a little bit um, younger, sexier version of that one uh, corporate bad guy from The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Every single person in this is so pretty. And everyone They're is so, so much. Everyone is They're... doing so much all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this guy... He is, he has, like, he's taken over this project. And I guess, so the project, uh, in the 21st century, cockroaches and moss are sent to Mars for terraforming. Yep. Um, The moss is to let, I guess, CO2 or something into the um, atmosphere. Into the atmosphere. And, like, yeah, I I think the atmosphere is semi possible but like not quite livable but with 
plant life uh it should be and they they add the cockroaches because i that's what i'm not totally clear on yeah i don't get why they did that i mean something because like i i think they basically explain it it's because they can because it's it's something that could potentially survive there within that environment and i guess then it further feeds the life like there's a at least a little bit of biodiversity Oh yeah, that, okay, that makes sense, but you know, I don't know. Like, I don't it, think it's explained. <laughs> no, you know what? Like, sometimes they just make a point of not explaining shit. True. So that although this, it, it's it probably had to be heavily condensed, so it's hard to say which it is here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then it cuts immediately to 500 years in the future, which is where we pick up with the story. And we have this scientist guy, and I don't quite get what his initial uh, pretend plan is, because he has plans within plans within plans that he's he's obviously the bad guy. And it's oh, obvious very from the moment you're introduced to the movie, even though we are given the... The fake plan first. Yeah, so his plan is to kill all the cockroaches so we can live there. Right, and it, and Japan <laughs> is going to do it. Japan is going to control yeah. Mars because uh, it's Japan that's doing this. Oh, oh, that's okay. So that's even more a, a little bit. That's like a fake plan within a fake plan right. because he's not even telling that one's the a people bit participating later. this yeah I so mean, this he, is he gets like a, to that one soon yeah um oh, this, this guy is like just he, he thinks he's playing 5d chess but and he's completely he, ridiculous he, he's ridiculous he doesn't need to go anywhere i love this guy He's a hologram. He's always talking about fashion. <laughs> he he he's always trying on different jackets and trying to get people to comment on his style, but nobody styles. Nobody nobody do does. Yeah. No. Nope. He's like, well, none of you are fashionable enough. <laughs> yeah. So so um, let's see. We do see him. Uh, I don't know if we see if it's now or later, but we do see him like uh, like picking up, uh, I guess, our main couple, but not really quasi main couple. Yeah, in in a Blade Runner car. In in terms of uh, the the overall arc of the movie, they are very important. Yeah, they're they're um, of central importance. We are to believe they're they're protagonist couple. Yeah. And they sort of are like I, I would say they are. More or less, they are. Um, yeah, she she quickly be, becomes a MacGuffin, but that that yeah, it, it's 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 anime. It's so anime. Yeah, so like they're hunted down in the street. We know that they're accused of a murder, uh, and like he catches it on the radio, and he's like, "Oh well, they'd be perfect for my plan." <laughs> yeah, because I guess these guys have like a. Uh, an order that like anyone can shoot them on site because of the murdering they did. Yeah, th- this is obviously a dystopian future. Oh, very and much. The, it's... the Earth is severely overpopulated. Although it's yeah. kind of a weirdly optimistic dystopia that you know. Yeah, five hundred years from bad. now. Five hundred years from now, there's still humans that could be sent to Mars. 
Because, like, this is looking sort of like Blade Runner Future, which takes place in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Or, or, like, in 2070, whatever. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Which, but, like, it, it no, still the, looks the, better than those. Yeah, it <laughs> does. Like, the sky, it, looks, it looks nice. Like, yeah, like, 500 I guess I could live here. Know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This doesn't seem so bad. I guess we kind of solved the climate crisis thing. Well, I should hope so if we figure out how to terraform another planet we should be able to terraform our own like i feel like we we should be like (laughs) spending our money on resources like that Uh, but what do i know but who knows rocket shaped like a dick but it is a dystopia so obviously he can just pick whoever he wants and he's just kind of grabbing a bunch of criminals and it kind of just immediately cuts forward to all of the criminals on the ship yeah so because of all this i thought i didn't even register that he was a scientist i thought he was a ceo Um, and he is and and he is that too like but the scientist part i didn't figure that out until later oh okay this this guy has like ceo power i think he's listed i like i think he's introduced early in the film as being the top scientist of such and such or some kind of genetic designer or whatever yeah um so let's see we have all of our we have five minutes to introduce all of our characters yeah we cannot spare any more time to do it every character needs to all be introduced first it's like here is a list of every crime each person has done and it pans across and they say all of them is like what who is what who's the one who okay yeah so we got a procured children for a for a child pornography ring excuse me (laughs) so okay so here we go an ex-cop so you know a criminal Uh, two yakuza's. So, so the, the ex-cop, he is the general, right? Like the main guy. Like he's not technically the oh, criminal. He's okay. the, right. Well, no, an ex. Well, yes, if you're a cop, you are a criminal. So but, if you're an ex-cop, it means you're an ex-criminal. But I mean, in in the context. Oh, in of the context movie, of the, the guy law. is the general who is working for, yeah. who is not considered one of the criminals. He is in charge of the criminals. Okay. See, I never actually really associated their crime which crime went with which person so, yeah that's what i'm trying to figure out because i it went by so fast that i completely oh, yeah. missed it so we have two yakuza that one's easy there's these two characters yeah they are they are yakuza that is they are character. two yakuza that, that's the whole thing and they're <laughs> self they're obsessed with each other and yeah uh let's see we have a serial killer oh that guy's gross uh, yeah the the i guess he's the <laughs> only one of this who isn't pretty I mean, he's I'm not very, into the Yakuza, but whatever. He's very distinct. Uh, yeah. And, like, he's consciously a gross character. Like, he is kind of uh, just constantly grody all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why he turns into a really gross bug, too, and a weird one. We have an illegal immigrant. Oh, no. <laughs> not an illegal. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I, I don't either, but it's like, it's like, Send the alien to the alien planet. I don't know. That sounded better in my head. Uh, we have the leader of a sex traffic ring. What? Yeah. That doesn't get addressed. No, and all. specifically, she is described as the leader of a child pornography ring. Or, yeah, that's it. A child prostitution ring. I wrote sex traffic because. But yes. Yeah, that's right. 
which one was that? I don't know. That's what I wanted to figure out because it's like, who is that? Who was that? I mean, everybody gets massacred, more or less. It's a suicide squad, kind of. Oh, yeah. Um, a hacker, that one. I, I think, think I got it figured out. Yeah, I think that's our, like, the the guy with the huge family. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who stays behind to hack things this ship at one point yeah he ends up being really important so it's it's obvious who he is yeah um a terrorist i bet it's the guy wearing brown robes oh maybe oh fuck i like that guy is in every anime but and it never occurred to me which one the terror like which one he would be until i saw a terrorist it's like oh no could be could be and a kickboxer the kickboxer his crime is that he's poor and who will tell us about it a lot <laughs> he's poor but you know what he's also vegeta he with he he's done his redemption arc but now he's got his i need to be better than the main character arc but the, the thing is he doesn't know the main character from before they've just met so i don't know but he needs to be number one. He needs, he needs to, to be, be over 9,000. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't know that the main character is the one he's got to beat. But he's, he, because he's the rival, he just immediately knows who the protagonist is. Yeah, he's got to be the best. It's yeah, not he, he's got to beat someone. He's just got to be the best. Yeah, he's 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 Vegeta. He's Sasuke. He's he's that guy. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah, so ridiculous. Actually, I even wrote on the on my notes here. This is Naruto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess. So yeah, that they have conversations, but man, yet nothing. It's not really important. It's just like so any much of their discussions. There. The, yeah. I I do you do not get to know any of these characters. You just kind of see them pairing up more or less you 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 get yeah. little tiny hints of them there's not they enough go time to their ninja characters. squads yeah yeah it, it's it's not about the characters it's about briefly understanding where they came from so that you can be sad when they die and it's about you know their powers their special powers their anime powers and that's really the main thing. They're, they're that's, all, that's what it's really about, is the anime powers. They're very specific pieces in a puzzle to create the sequence of events. <laughs> Which I have not figured out. Like, I don't even know what his real plan was. I, I, I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, no, it doesn't make... It's, it's a, a, an absurd villain plan. <laughs> there, there's really not much other way to say it. it it's just an absurd villain plan it doesn't exist as a real plan yeah so um i guess after they land they're they're breaking up into their squads uh to go and i guess do recon uh just see what they can see about their mission they're, no they're looking for the the previous landing thing from another mission yeah, and like they, I don't think they're they're even getting off the ship because this is when they're informed about the cockroaches. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, they haven't found out what the cockroaches are like yet. 
Yeah, they just have been told that they're going to this planet to exterminate cockroaches. And of course, when they arrive there, it turns out they're hulking cockroach men who have super evolved in the 500 years they've been on Mars. <laughs> and they look like um, a bad, like their head looks like a bad Star Wars alien uh, on the body of like hulking prime Arnold Schwarzenegger but kind of insecty. Yeah, and it's just the same thing recloned over and over and over again. And like it, it's just a video game character on a video game planet. I, I oh, feel yeah. when they arrive on Mars, they literally land on a video game planet and because mm-hmm. so essentially each of these characters, once they're on Mars, now has a special secret power up. <laughs> so like <laughs> Essentially, we have our first guy go out and we're we're given the background and it's like he steps into a video game landscape where because like he doesn't exist in the digital world that they exist on. But this is like they're inhabitants of the digital world. They're the natives. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they have an advantage. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, they're doing their first uh, recon. We got the main couple. I guess squabbling, but no, no, it's no. actually they're adorable, and they're so pretty. Um, I'll be saying this a lot, and we learn that. What do we learn? We learn that he, she was being uh, assaulted by a pimp, so she stabbed him, and then he's like, "No, you can't be the one who's." guilty of this crime i'll take the blame for it and then he stabs the body repeatedly and now now they're both wanted for murder that didn't work at all and that's why they're here yeah well like initially not only had like she hadn't just stabbed him he had broken up the fight like he had stopped him from attacking her because i think he had the knife initially the pimp and he, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. He gets the knife away from the pimp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He starts to like he he gets in between the fight, and while he is like backing the pimp off and saying like, "Okay, get out of here," she picks up the knife and stabs him. So like it is very clearly oh, a, a, a premeditated. A yes. Exactly. That that yeah no that that's a murder. That's it's a murder. yeah that so it's a pretty essential difference in in the way. Uh, yeah. It, it, it plays Man, but she really acts not super bothered by that part. No, and she doesn't know this guy. She has no like deep past with him. It's it, he is just hero guy. So like for her, she doesn't really have any big connection with him. It doesn't seem like. Oh, okay. Because, like, who who is he? He he was just this passerby, and he's like, no, no, I can't let... I thought he was her boyfriend. Maybe he's her boyfriend. They don't seem to have much of a connection. She's not... Like, she's totally ready to just sign up, and she doesn't care what he does. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Because he was all like, no, I'm going to defend her, I'm going to do this. And she's like, yeah, whatever, let's just sign like, oh, up. Yeah, I don't care. And he's like, what? Yeah, I forgot about that bit. Um, yeah, yeah, she so, just seems like someone who's completely done with it before we yeah, even met her. Yeah, and he just got 
he just involved himself. Okay, wow. Well, he's yeah, hero he just guy. involved himself. It's like, no, I'll take the fall for this. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? He's hero guy. That That's just yeah. his whole deal. And, and that is what he will be throughout the film. Although, of course, our kickboxer guy uh, befriends him immediately. Oh, of course. That's... Yeah, yeah. Um, befriends him, but also is like, I'm going to... I hate you, and I'm going to be better than you, but I'm also your best friend. We are lovers. Yeah. And we hate each other, and it's like, who are you? They have a lot of really complicated emotions together. He has them for both of them. Because he's... he's always making these speeches about how he's the one who has to make it back more than anyone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, You're the one with something to live for. I don't have anything to live for because I'm poor. All I wanted to do <laughs> here was get money. <laughs> There's a lot of that. After after the whole thing with Suda and he's... Uh, oh, shoot. I forgot her name. Well, Zulu. killed the timing on that one. He's Uru. After that didn't work, I was like, well, fuck it. I'll go to Mars. Yeah. Kojima would uh, go to Mars. Kojima totally go to Mars. And he would be the winner. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he would. Well, he, he would do what this guy did. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're ultimately attacked on their various recons. A bunch of the giant cockroach men come after them and they... Very extreme, like shockingly quickly, um, just snap the one girl's neck. Uh, three of them dogpile another girl. And specifically, the, the girl's neck who gets snapped is our supposed protagonist girl. Yeah, yeah. The one who the dude threw away his entire life to protect. She's, she's gone. The first character. Very first character to go. Uh, and then there there's one other girl who gets uh, dogpiled. And, and notably, the scientist guy gives it away in the next scene. Because he says... Why are you all getting so worked up just because one girl died? Oh, shit. Yeah, he totally gives it away immediately. See, I the thought other he was girl... giving away the other right. thing. Right. <laughs> so he's just fucking wrong. <laughs> Completely. Uh, but that's, that, that's, that's about right for this guy. Yeah. And then... This is when they're all told that they all have these insect powers. Like surreptitiously, in in the over the course of the voyage, he has made them all insect mutants. Yep. How how did I do it? Ah, you wouldn't get it. Yeah, I, I don't need to tell it, you. It doesn't matter. It's just too complicated for you plebs. It was very difficult. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's always the Stonehenge defense. So honestly, my favorite defense for this kind of for this. Kind oh, yeah. Of thing. No, I we agree. Don't, I, I don't I don't need the story. To know. Yeah, there, there's no story that's going to be satisfying. I don't care about midi chlorians. It's fine. No, the, the, I was like, every time somebody does that, I'm like, yes. Good. Job, <laughs> cool. Good job. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's the way we want it. Uh, so who's like it's it's our. Our, our robed guy. First. A roach guy. Right. He is 
his name is Lee. We don't know his real name. So they, they totally krill in his backstory. Um, just take turns telling like one sentence parts about what they've heard about this guy. Yeah. His name is Lee. He fought in the Middle East just fighting wars like for fun or whatever. Nobody knows his past, but he's the most dangerous mercenary. If he's on our team, we'll definitely win. Go guard Lee! That was my Krillin voice, but it was actually my team four-star Krillin voice because I don't remember what real Krillin sounds like. I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the people who know, know. The people who don't know, hey, it's all right. They're like me. Uh, but yeah, he goes out, and th this is the thing I was talking about. It's literally like he steps into a video game. Because like, it, it's him walking into this video game world, and then he has to take his power up so that he can operate within the video game planet rules. Yeah. Um, so here's the first bug transformation and what is his, uh, his is okay. Let me find it here because, um, uh, Midera beetle with the power to emit fire, right? He's a flamethrower, um, flamethrower. Now there's kind of weird that there's two anyway. So that's, that's, we'll get to that, mm -hmm. but yeah, he, uh, he it's a beetle that can apparently uh, shoot fire now i don't know if that's real but whatever it's cool he lights the the one cockroach dude on fire the dude almost falls down he's like his like hand is up and he's like i think i think he's gonna give him the middle finger but, but he, he didn't just... deliver the killing blow no no cockroach just Gets back. Oh, we did right. First, he has a transformation sequence. Um, God oh yeah, he does. They have before these, he does. Everyone has a, a big transformation sequence. A big transformation sequence where a narrator will tell you about the bug that he is and like different facts about it, about why it's like evolutionarily, like the evolutionary advantages it has. Um, his power level. Yeah. It's telling us his power level. Yeah, completely. And and meanwhile, we'll also see them do a Sailor Moon-esque transformation, except yeah. they turn into a bug. Yeah, or like a... They turn well, they get into bug humans features. with antennas, Yeah, they, they get some... And some of them have more get... bug features than others. Yeah, yeah, but they never... Turns out... Yeah, yeah, the more... The more of the drug you take, the more buggy you get. <laughs> yeah. The more, the more you bug out. Yeah. So yeah, we have this whole transformation sequence, which the cockroach patiently waits for, because you do not attack someone in the transformation sequence, even if you're a merciless killing machine alien. You just, it's just not done. Well, they know video game rules. They're from a video game planet. True. True. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah takes him down with a flamethrower then he gets up and just punches right through like his fist goes right through god lee's torso and everyone's just like oh my god if god lee can't beat them we're screwed and that was only one of them oh and they, they have to do their anime reactions yeah everyone freaks out and then we have our ex-cop the general guy right yeah and he's like it's okay I got this. My bug is what the he's a, a uh, bullet ant, I he believe. He is a bullet ant, 
who yeah. has the power to lift 100 times his own weight. And I guess More the importantly, answer, they've got the stinger. Yeah, they have the most painful sting of any insect in the world. Oh, oh, I've heard of this, like outside yeah. of the movie, and because this is why I, I don't remember know why they the didn't. Bullet ant. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't include this because this is such an amazing fact. Um, if you get stung by this thing, scientists recommend the best course of action is to lie on the ground and scream. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do. Yeah, they're called a bullet ant because it hurts as much as being shot. So yeah. they they uh, in the meantime the the cockroaches have just like completely covered the outside of the ship. They're they've been attracted now and they're they're coming in to fight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he does his transformation. And of course, first they have a thing like, well, it's it's impossible for them to break that glass. Oh, oh, yeah. And then he breaks it immediately. And the cockroach goes down and on his way down, he uses his hands and cuts off two people's heads. And I don't even know who just got killed. Yeah, no, I have no idea. I don't know who died. They, uh Mr. and Mrs. not appearing in this film. Uh, they they did not get to be uh, part of the story. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking uh, at the, the synopsis. It doesn't even say who died. They're yeah, no, not, I have no idea. They're not anyone. They, they probably weren't even in the original roll call. They're just... Well, maybe. I don't know. They're the red shirts. <laughs> but maybe he powers one of them up. was the sex trafficker. Maybe. I mean, I assume it's someone that we have to deal with because I, I there there's only a handful of them listed, and I, I didn't. Yeah. And we have a handful of characters that are through a decent amount of time. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he just kills some people who gets who are so unceremonious that they just they exist well, to die. Pretty that's much great. all of the deaths are pretty unceremonious, and like yeah. almost all of them, except like two or three. Yeah, yeah. A couple of them get to do their final words cradled in somebody's arms, but yeah. most don't. No. Uh, so our our general guy, his his fire ant powers are way way more powerful than uh, the flamethrower guy stuff. But he's they not just, the most powerful. No, but like he is just pulping them left and right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he, he's taken out cockroach guys with with no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, I think they've got a plan. Like some of them are to escape on this rover uh, to go to the other lander. To the science building. They they have yeah. a lab over on the other other section. Or no, no, it is another ship. That's right. Yeah, it's another sh- it's another ship. Oh no, um, there there's a building because they had a building that had been prepared for the colonists or something because that's where the cockroaches later have the guns because they got the guns from the building but but they're going to the other lander to get i guess the engine to fix this lander which which is weird wouldn't you want to take the other one because just take the lander that has a working engine and the one that has uh, an unbroken windscreen i would i would have to expect like oh how are you gonna get this point yeah (laughs) I don't yeah, know. So, so that's not the beginning of stupid, or that's not the end of the stupid plans. Uh, so, so, so yeah, they're getting in the rover, most of them. Um, 
Notably, the people who stay behind are our our captain, our general, or the fire ant, and uh, the hacker guy. Yeah, now, and one other dude. Oh, uh, maybe, but I don't who's there remember. to help fight, but he dies. Yeah, so the fight. The hacker guy. We aren't told right away what he is, so we have to guess. And uh, his skin goes all gray. He gets all hunched over and like. Thick, messy black hair, orange eyes, and uh, bright orange antennas. He is a Homestuck troll. Yeah, he's kind of adorable. <laughs> he's he, he, he's a home he's a Homestuck until we find out what he really is much later. I can't believe that's come up in both of our discussions tonight. <laughs> well, I, I knew it would come up in this one. Yeah, because. Because that's immediately what I thought of. It's like, oh, his power turns him into a homestuck. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's sort of a lot of them, honestly. Well, one of them turns into that girl from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. Well, a couple of them are very mad. One of them turns into Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. But, like, Um, there is a second guy who is a really tough guy. And who who fights off the hordes while the rest of them are trying to get to the the other building. Yeah, but but he's got this plan. He's going to seal up the launcher once everybody's out and then just drain the air out, making a noble heroic sacrifice. Yeah. Um, along with whoever, along with like the other two guys who whoever stayed, stayed behind. And I love this part because as he's closing up the blast shields over the glass. They got bug guts on the windshield. <laughs> they leave bug like white bug guts. Yeah, that was Love pretty it. funny. That's so good. That was and, good. And they do that constantly. Yeah. Um, uh, and so then we start getting some of our other transformations. And first, the serial killer guy <laughs> turns into a rocket bug. Yeah. Um, a... Denine McClay, which I guess is just another flamethrower bug. Uh, it's some sort sits, of beetle. Yeah. That it can skip across a lake with like a burst of oh, something. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I, like they, they show an image of it in the movie, I believe, when in, in the transformation sequence. But like he looks so gross because like a tube comes out of his mouth. Oh, yeah. This is. <laughs> yeah. He was already the one who isn't sexy, but this is an unsexy. It's not not sexy, but useful because he sits on the back of the of the rover and he shoots out fire to make the rover rocket through the horde of bugs. He vomits fire at like an incredible rate. It's yeah, very weird. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yay, they escaped, but. Oh no, there is a tidal wave of bugs. A literal tidal wave of just the cockroaches all swarmed together somehow. Which is <laughs> they're, they're completely that, like, absurd. World War Z thing. Well it's it's from the Matrix too. They the Oh yeah. This is a thing in Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, weird. Very so, strange. So Rocket guy powers them through, and then they just see another tsunami. 
but like an, a much bigger one is like well there's no way he can do this one so now a couple of the others have to transform yeah they have to transform um and it's these two girls two and they're girls. kind of the same transformation although they're slightly different bugs well i i don't remember what they're called but one of them um one of them their thing is like they've got it like a super hard shell so it's like yeah, yeah okay, the hardest cool. shell of any bug yeah the other one has camouflage that supposedly dizzies people she doesn't use it yeah i don't really get that and or how it was used here because she just seemed to have a shield she like just the seemed other to have the exact same transformation yeah and she has the same shield like the two of them they get like these uh ridged uh like plates on each arm and they put them together to form a shield in front of them yeah and which... hers just looks like a leaf but it's still the same shield yeah i don't get it yeah it doesn't kind of matter team. they it's it's like... anime logic it's manga yeah. logic yeah they like they like fall or get left behind or die or something well when they're rocketing through uh the this wave it's so big that like they get almost all the way through it and then the 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 vehicle rolls and like it keeps going and they're left off uh and then the two of them are immediately killed the girls uh very unceremoniously and then like the serial killer guy he has is back to human form at this point like he's oh yeah and it's, he's like, it's a time limit on your power up. You you have to kill everything before your star power wears off. Yeah, of course. It's a video uh, game. Yeah. And he screams about how he wanted to have sex with them, and <laughs> and now he doesn't get to, and he makes a he's a big whiny baby about it, and they kill him. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the end of them. That's, and he was really thing. gross. I'm yeah. glad he was gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they were so pretty. Everyone's so pretty. <laughs> so what's after? So they get to the building here, and this is where there's all of the cockroaches with guns, because they take out someone right away, and one of the guys turns into a hornet man. Oh, that that's that's our main guy. Yeah, our main guy's um, the hornet man. Yeah, they... Because this is when they all kind of have to start transforming so they can fight the base. Yeah, yeah, so the main guy is a hornet, and notably our professor said to someone i think we i think we skipped i think he was in contact with one of the bugs at this like one of the bugs at this point the cockroaches it's not uh, a real it's it's someone hiding inside a bug but we don't know that yet it's, yeah. we just think it's a talking bug on a cell phone yeah, talking to there. professor gerard way and it's like watch if you see him i, I want to give him an like the whiny villain voice but he doesn't have that he, he has a voice that doesn't match his appearance and, mm -hmm. and it works um because he sounds completely calm and like not sinister but like confident mm -hmm. um well he so, has total self-confidence yeah yeah uh, it's it's a good he is a super villain yeah but he's like yeah if if you see hero guy uh uses transformation don't bother trying to take him out he he's the strongest out of everyone right and and, and yeah, yeah he's so, a he's a hornet yep um let's see what kind of hornet is he he is a asian giant hornet um they're huge 
Yeah, they're huge. They are like super deadly. They can sting as much as they want. Hornets are assholes. Oh yeah. Not like bees that can only sting once and then they're dead. No, bees are great. Um, hornets suck. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, save the bees. Kill hornets. Seriously, I'm, I think like most hornets are an invasive species. In that is America. true. Yeah, that, that is typically I don't, the case. Don't quote me on that, but I, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it depends where you are. Anyway, where you are. so like the others transform. What's there's the girl. The who, girl transforms into the character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Actually, she just looks like that because the antenna. She is an orchid mantis. Uh, she gets well, pigtails. I mean, yeah, the character is mantis that you're thinking yeah. of. Uh, she gets pigtails and these huge sickle arms that right. just slice everybody up. Um, and then when she untransforms, her hair gets put back in that neat little bun immediately because that's what happens. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other guy, uh, uh, Vegeta, is, the rival, is a desert locust with flying, like, who's, like, got really powerful legs and jumping and kicking. And he's, like, he's cutting people. Boxer, and... Of course. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, yeah, because he's a kid. No! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Yeah, so he has has super powerful legs, necessarily, because it's what he's trained for. Uh, And are those the only three that are left at that point? Those, I think, are the only three um, in this group. Yeah. this group, yeah. So, like, and by this point, when they're all there, we cut back to the ship and the air coming back in, and our guy revives. Yeah, Uh, so uh, Homestuck, uh, he, his thing... um, Is that he never dies. He can't die. He never dies. Now, I want to find where it says what it is. Uh, Anyways, uh, they give a whole long introduction to this bug and it it just like it, it seems to survive unkillable. It it enters a state of they called it cryptobiosis, which uh, I'm sure is a real thing and I'm sure they're using it incorrectly. But the larva state can't be killed, which is interesting because he's not in a larva state. He's in the adult state, but there's no mention of what the adult state of this bug is like. Yeah, I don't I don't know. He he's invincible, um, but if he like he doesn't die, he just goes unconscious and uh, he needs a bit he, of water to wake he him. He needs up. water to wake him up. Yeah, uh, and so the the cockroach that we saw earlier opens up, and it's the girl who uh, has had supposedly been uh, dogpiled by them earlier when she had actually just inhabited one of them. Yeah, she transforms into an emerald cockroach wasp, which um, stings cockroaches and then, like, controls their brain. I don't know if that's real or not. It could be. Uh, there are some bugs that do that. I've I've I heard of variations of that as well. I know there's funguses that do that. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of bugs that do that. So, yeah, it's, it's... that's not unbelievable. No, yeah, it's. Um, I'm sure they like overstate the power of it, but well, who knows? yeah, of course, because it's Cause, you know, you know everything's hugely exaggerated. Yeah, so yeah, she made she she made two cockroaches fuck and have an egg that she's going to 
So she's secretly working for Gerard Way, but she's also got her own plan on top of that, that she's going to take the egg that she caused to be made back to Earth, where she'll then control all the cockroaches and be the queen. And she'll have like an unstoppable army because she's a supervillain, too. Because yeah, yeah. this is the problem with having a Suicide Squad. They're they're all supervillains in the waiting. Yeah, except for you know your poor guy with nothing to lose and your hero. <laughs> yeah, you, you really got to stop throwing them in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's what that's what happened with the. Well, I would say that's what undoes the Squid Game, but nothing undoes the Squid Game. <clears throat> Anywho, so. Uh, Back at the the main guys, uh, yeah, the, it, it cuts back to them and they're just having a a huge series of fights. Like it's almost an all fights movie. Oh yeah, that, that's all this movie really is: a little bit of talking and some backstory sometimes, and fighting. Yeah, just fighting, transforming, um, special powers, fighting, killing. Maybe, People appreciating uh, how good others are at fighting. There's a lot of um, that. Yeah. Uh, explaining the moves that they're that we're seeing to us. Yeah, and slowly the cast is whittled down. Uh, I think the girl is first to go. Yeah, and then... I think the girl dies. She gets sh- who gets shot? I think that's the other guy, uh, the, and that's when it's revealed that the cockroaches have the guns, and he has right. to turn into the wasp to take them all out. Right. Right. Okay, so yeah, and it's just point, all out battles from that point. Yeah, at some point the girl does die. Um, the the rival, the locust guy, he ejects himself again to become more buggy. Uh, yeah, to and get more bug power. Keeps doing it. He keeps doing it, and very notably, like this is definitely not an accident. His face looks so much like Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, okay. Uh, Which, uh, and yeah, it, an iconic anime villain. It was mentioned earlier as well that uh, if you take too much of it, it will just kill you. That, like you can overdose on it. Or it can, it can kill you, or it can like make it so that you you can't turn back to being a human. But yeah, yeah. you can overdose, and it's bad. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be more of a thing, like there there would be some sort of meter, but he just keeps pumping up more and more. And both of them are like re-injecting a bunch of times. It's just he's doing it way too much. Yeah, yeah. But like and, and he's like able to sprout wings and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he he's, you know, he's increasing his power level. He's going Super Saiyan. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they like this is the one where huge... the Super where going Super Saiyan, like, comes with drawbacks. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's going on. I think back at the ship now, I think we cut back there. I don't know. We, we cut back and forth a lot. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, ultimately, the, the girl from the start who died comes back. Right. So, because they, they, they brought her body back, and at one point they looked at it, uh, the girl who got her neck snapped, the protagonist girl-ish um but yeah interested one yeah at one point like they they looked at her body and just saw like a little 
tiny little strand of light, like a little thread uh, just coming out of it, coming out of her neck, but nobody really comments on it or anything. Um, and it turns out, turns out she's a moth. Yeah, and like a, a moth that uh, she, um, she spreads a ton of dust, like a huge, like it's all this glimmering golden dust that she showers on the cockroaches. A silk moth. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know how true this is, but the silk moth dust is extremely flammable, um, like super gasoline, apparently, or, or like napalm. It's it's ridiculous how flammable this stuff is. Right. Well, all oh, of oh, them have superpowers. Yeah. Well, that's kind yeah, of but thing. like I know, I know. Yeah, but it's just like. Yeah, I'm being silly. Yeah, they're they're based she's loosely also, like, on an glowing, insect. and she's like, like she's, she's so angelic. angelic. Yeah, that that's and, kind of oh the, my god. Because you know he, it's for the hero guy, and he you know he freaks out. He has to have his big emotional reaction and try to save her, even though you know she has already been dead for the entire movie. Yeah, and the guy's like, she's too far gone. It's not her in there. Plus, she never likes you to begin with. Like, dude, he's like, seriously? I was talking to her on the ship, and you know, she did tell me that this is all kind of not her thing. But yeah, so she's like spreading the dust all around and and just ignoring the guy completely. And then yeah, cockroach fires, which ignites the whole thing. Um, just just a big huge conflagration uh she dies in it um hundreds of cockroaches die i mean guys survive i don't remember how maybe they're just he's, that powerful he's up above like he jumps up to try and save her right, oh, right. and i i think like she ends up getting kind of, oh and like the the other guy the kickboxer guy like also knocks him out of the way when he's going for her oh so, right right that 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 they they do that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, everybody lands. She lands, but, like, she's just, like, burnt up. Uh, and the the cockroach, or the locust guy, the kickboxer guy, lands, and he's just, like, so wrecked up from overdosing on this stuff. Yeah. As well as getting burnt up. Like, I think he got pretty uh, burnt in, in the flames as well. Yeah, so... So now, so now we have our... Sh- are uh two bad guy bugs on the ship and they're Although leaving they're, like, they're leaving uh they're taking the egg and there are yeah they're leaving and the the egg hatches while the they're egg, taking off yeah the egg hatches and there's two of them there and, and uh um, she starts to tell them what to do but they don't listen and they just immediately kill her yeah but there's oh my god the, the graphic that it shows when she stings the one guy. It's just this like cartoony picture of a brain superimposed over its face with like googly eyes. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. And it does not work at all because um, because the parent cockroaches had her venom in them when they laid the egg, so they evolved a resistance to it. Because these um, things are super evolving, and so like yeah. they're still evolving extremely fast. Oh yeah. So, but now these ones are the leader cockroaches, and they have special marks on their foreheads so that you can tell they're the leader cockroaches, 
even though they look exactly the same from a distance. Yeah, for um, their you boss can only fights. Tell, you can only tell when they're, like, really close up. Right. So, right. And I think some of that happens earlier, and this is all part of it. And it's it's maybe... I, I'm not sure exactly the order, but yeah, they, they all get... They they have to fight the boss cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, the cockroaches all sprout... The boss, like, calls out... And the cockroaches like suddenly sprout wings and fly and drag the ship back down to the planet. Yep. And at this point, we cut back to uh, Professor Gerard Way and his uh, his uh, assassin bodyguard person, and and she's like, "Was this all part of your plan too?" And he's just like, "No, it's all gone to shit." <laughs> uh, yeah. So so now they have to fight the boss cockroaches, uh, the two of them. Yeah, so I think it's that's what no, I I think that's that happens and then she does the the moth fire thing. I think it's oh, after that. Oh yeah. And and that's sort of what like cuz they they have it's they they do the super powering up to take on the boss guys. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, right, cuz cuz they have cuz for the bosses they definitely have to inject themselves more and more. Um, yeah. Pretty sure the kickboxer dies here. Yeah. Because like um, after the fire and everything, he's pretty much wrecked, and you know they he holds oh, yeah, him in his arms, powered. and oh yeah, that's right, he gets the holds him in his arms, death. Yeah, of uh, course. While his face is like flashing between bug and person, not like transforming, but flashing. Yeah, he looks really gross <laughs> and, as a bug. Yeah, yeah. Like his final that's, form. Yeah, that was his final. That was his, his final, final form. form. Yeah, so um, I don't remember what he says. Generic rival person stuff. Well, it's mostly you, you're the one who has to get back. You're you're the one who yeah, has you're to the one who has for. That's you have to was. go back was... and get revenge for all of us. All of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. And meanwhile, uh, also for the hacker guy, we've been seeing all of these flashbacks about why he also needs to get back because he has a whole gigantic starving family. Right. He needs yeah, to get he's back doing and help. this to feed his 28 siblings or something. Yeah. And, and like, we, we see him get swarmed. He's like, I can't die here. I can't die here. Yeah, so he ejects himself to not die. Yeah. Because the immortality doesn't work when he's not powered up. Right, but apparently course. it's perfect when he is, and he seems to be able to last longer than anybody else. Indeed. Uh, so ultimately, it, it ends up with the two of them on the ship together because uh, the, the the other guy gets taken out, or the 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 bad lady gets taken out, and the yeah. the plan is foiled. So the two yeah. of them are going to head back to Earth and take it to uh, the the. The Take it to the man. Take it to the man. Yeah. The scientist man. Uh, meanwhile, in the scientist man's place, um, the uh, assassin bodyguard is like, oh, by the way, I work for the government, and I was here to keep an eye on you, and you fucked up, so now I'm going to kill you. And he's like, no, I'm actually going to escape. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, well, let me take off my coat first. I don't want to get blood all over, which is such a weird thing to say when you're going to get shot to death. But, you know, it's perfectly in character because I love this man. Um, so <laughs> she 
pulls the trigger as he's reaching for like his lapel pin thing on his coat. The bullet stops right in front of him because of an invisible force field. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm a mad scientist. It's like a net that he has around him. Yeah. And then he throws the, the like brooch or whatever at her and it turns into a mechanical bug and sprays her in the face with who fucking knows what it but kills her. Yep. It's uh, so good. And that's pretty much it, right? Pretty much. I mean, we skipped over the pyramids, but I don't That didn't make any sense. That. There, it was it was something about like uh, it, it's an ancient aliens thing, basically. Yeah. Uh, the convergent evolution and the you know pyramids are the the are are based on a form of life that precedes both the cockroaches and humans. And it's interesting that those pyramids got wrecked the exact same way as the one on Earth did. Yeah, of course. Uh, but like maybe so you know these ones I... were just built by cockroach men, so it's a lot more explicable. <laughs> Because they're huge and powerful, and there's nothing else for them to do because it's a desolate landscape of nothing. <laughs> but how did they do it without without cranes? I don't know. <laughs> it was definitely aliens. Well, uh, I mean, they're aliens. They are aliens, so aliens built the pyramids. And, and that's also what they say, that we're the aliens, that humans are the aliens and cockroaches. Oh, are the yeah, there was a scene where this, we think we're going to get this one person's tragic backstory about how she went from Russia to Japan. But it turns out it's just explanation for why the cockroaches hate us. She's like, I, I'd never seen a cockroach before, but I instinctively killed it. I thought it was gross. Maybe it's the same way for them with us. Yeah, I guess. Maybe they think we're gross. Or maybe... They're pissed off that we're trying to uh, go Christopher Columbus on their planet. Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, they're reacting against a colonizing they right. force. They are right to attack us. Honestly, well, they, they they are here to be exterminated. Like that that's yeah. the point. Yeah, so, no, they, yeah, the cockroaches are in the right here. They they are fighting for their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, like, but no they also have absolutely no personality. Like they have completely blank faces, and they're all exactly the same. Yeah, um, even the bosses are indistinguishable. Yeah, just slightly different marks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that that's pretty much it because it doesn't end with our hero getting revenge. It just ends with them talking about it on their way back. Oh yeah, he's like, "What are you gonna do then?" He's like, "Then I'm going to go back." Yeah. Why? Oh, right, because you you gotta. I mean, there's nothing go to do your, here. <laughs> go on your exterminate cockroaches campaign. Yeah. So basically, um, this is a movie. This is like, this is anime junk food. <laughs> it is total it. junk food. I like. I think it's it's better than its reputation. It obviously has problems. It's very oh, clearly it's... something that's been heavily compressed into this form. It's incredibly stupid, it's and I love it. It's so dumb. It's so pretty. They're uh, so all, pretty. All of the characters are very outsized. Everything that happens is extremely big and ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you have a familiarity with manga or anime, you'll get it, I feel. Yeah. Um, otherwise, otherwise, you're just going to see this as a really dumb action movie which might be your thing anyways 
I mean, it and, is and you, very dumb. And if, if it is your thing, check out some manga, check out some anime, check out the manga of the same name that this is based off of, Terraform Mars. Is check it? out some other Takeshi Miike, because this is not one of his better ones. I still like it, but his other stuff is arguably better. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no, I really like it. I think this is his, but then I remembered how fucking batshit Dead or Alive was, and I'm like, mm, the whole those, series. those are good. Those are yeah. good. And like, there's the Black Triad Society. Those those are really excellent. We'll have to watch those sometime. And you know, Audition. Uh, uh, there's uh, Sukiyaki Western Django, which is so fantastic. That him. That's him. Oh, I, I love that, that movie. Yeah, totally. Oh, that was that was an experience. Mm-hmm. All right. So, any final thoughts on uh, Terraform Mars before we move uh, on to part three? It's a great film, but a a vast, a, a good chunk of people are going to hate it. I, I can't recommend it to everybody, but like... Yeah, it has no reverence for its characters. It kills a lot of them off very unceremoniously. It's pretty gross. A lot of the CG looks stupid as hell. But, you know, oh, yeah. it, you got to be I there for the ride. I could not believe that this was made in 2016. It, everything about it screams 2008. It feels like it came out in response to The Matrix. Like, it, it feels like it, it's a movie that's, like, shortly in the wake of The Matrix and trying to do sort of a riff on that. Shortly in the make of, I would say, The Matrix sequels. Yes, yes. It, this doesn't feel early enough to... Well, that's what I mean, like, The it. Matrix as a whole. Oh, the, right, I guess... The trilogy. Yes. I keep forgetting. I have to rewatch the sequels. I only ever saw them the one time. We'll have to do them sometime. I rewatched them all earlier this year, and I liked, I liked all of them more than I did then. Uh, like especially the too. third one. I hated the third one when I saw it in theater. Oh, yeah. I kind of like it now. The second one is the worst of the three. Well, easily. Yeah, I'm. I, I'll definitely. When I do see them, I definitely be viewing them through a completely different lens than before. Yeah. So. I can't even guess what I'm going to think. Yeah, I, I mean, the first one the still... original Matrix since I figured out what it was about. Yeah, and the first one still completely holds up. It's fantastic. Uh, but the second and third one are both shaky, but really interesting. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, I think we'll head on into part three. All right. And we're back for our third part where we're going to talk about some movies we've watched in the past week and decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, starting with uh, over the weekend, we hung out and we watched a couple things. And we're not going to talk about them too deep because we probably will cover both of these at some point. because they're both There's, there's a lot of material. Yeah. Uh, we watched Chariots of the Gods and uh, Golden Needles, which is one I had already watched a couple weeks ago, but it's so much fun. So Chariots of the Gods, first, your your initial reactions. You've never seen this before, right? No. Um this but this was very much it well, it's exactly what you told me it was. It was like the the, the uh I'm not seeing it's aliens, but it's of, <laughs> it's that guy. Aliens, ancient aliens. Yeah, it's like, the original one. He never he never comes out and says aliens in this, but he's like <laughs> what if we did have visitors? Where else I, did we learn this? How to do this stuff? There are like both the way the uh, the the way the narrator phrases every question. All, all of the leading questions, where he'll just present something, is like, "What if it were this?" <laughs> uh, 
every time. <laughs> but no. <laughs> and the score. I love the score to this so much. Just so breezy. Just this great international lounge score. So great. I, I liked it. Like, even though a lot of the stuff he talks about that we didn't know how they do. Like, this was in the 1970s. That's like. Yeah. Whatever you think it is, it's 50 ish years ago. That's 50 years ago. The 1970s is 50 ish years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this hurts me too, but it's 50 ish years ago. Yeah. Uh, so we have learned a lot since then. We know or have a much better idea, at least, or maybe we do completely know how they built the pyramids. There's um, a lot they got of things. cockroaches to do it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things in this that are pretty thoroughly explained now that weren't so much then. Uh, but there are still some things that are pretty compelling, even though oh, I don't really believe in any of this. It's so interesting. It's so fun just to imagine. <laughs> well, like some of the stuff they talk about is like, hey, I never knew that the Mayans had a thing that could be interpreted this way. Yeah, and or, I love the uh, the Easter Island stuff. All of the Easter Island stuff is fantastic. I actually like so much stuff I didn't even know about the Easter Islands. I learned from from this because mm -hmm. so, it gives like, some interesting history it, on it too. It gives you some like it's not just ancient aliens. It does give you some actual history about ruins and places I didn't know existed alongside ones that I did. And just so much footage of all of these places. It's great just for how much footage they have of everywhere. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there we could we could go pretty deep into it. We could go real deep into it. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, Golden Needles, Joe Don Baker and Jim Kelly, Kung Fu movie. So good. So right? good. Uh, Burgess Meredith plays the eccentric billionaire villain oh and he's awesome he's so good you didn't even see me i was hiding in the shadows and you looked twice and you didn't see me <laughs> so delighted uh and yeah joe don baker is good in this i really like I, joe don baker it, this is the first time i've seen him where like like he's all he always just kind of seems like a dumb like a not dumb he's a good old boy yeah he seems like a secondary character it's weird to see him in leading man roles after walk tall or walking tall like walking tall is the ones like okay i get where he is because he's a good old boy hero in that one very specifically getting revenge he doesn't make sense as a hero in a lot of his movies like mitchell is such a weird malformed thing <laughs> But this works. This He's one great. works. He's good. He's good. Um, He's got a lot of charm. I like the annoying girl who tries to ruin the plot, or, or who's just a liability to everyone. I just, I, I like Slash her. Slash is the I love interest. Don't. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't buy their their relationship at all, but I like I like her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and it's from the guy who did. Enter the Dragon just before this, and it has a lot of similar great footage of Hong Kong. You you get a whole bunch of great footage of Hong Kong Harbor. He uses his locations very well, I think. Yeah, there's like a cool boat chase through one of those old ports with all the like those those junk ships. Huge junks, so cool. <laughs> but it's like a, a paddle boat chase, so it's like really <laughs> slow. It's, it's Joe Don Baker. 
Joe Don Baker being rowed around by a small child, <laughs> which is very funny. <laughs> Mister, if you want to go fast, you're so much bigger than me. I bet you could do it faster. No, well, it's I, your job. I, I don't know if I could. I, I, I strongly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the experience you do. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we, we won't get into any more of that because, again, this is a movie we'll probably cover because I love this movie. I, I think That's it's super fun. underappreciated. Uh, so we don't have a ton of moves this week. I was catching up on a bunch of stuff leaving the Criterion channel, so I only watched five movies from the stacks. Uh, first up is Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, which is a tremendous title. Uh, yeah, I, I've been eyeing that one up for a bit because of the title, but it's like, what is it? What What is it? What is so my it's, vice? It is a giallo based on Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. Uh, it's about this hedonist husband who's throwing these big hippie parties at their massive estate, and the wife just hates all of these parties. She just can't stand it. It's sort of like a, a flip of uh, the tough guys tough don't guys, dance. So I was just thinking dynamic. that. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> a uh, classic and, story. One likes parties, one does not. And uh, the, the husband also has this black cat named Satan that the wife absolutely hates, and she has just like a bunch of doves that she cares for. There's no... Oh, no. It, it, it makes no sense that these two people would be together. They're complete opposites and they seem to hate each other. Things go bad, obviously. Uh, it's it's a revenge plot in every direction. Every, everybody's trying to kill everybody. Uh, there's one scene that I want to call out in particular that's just incredible where they get these cones of just like uh, there's a big paper cone and someone opens it up and just tons of eyes pour out of it <laughs> very striking image <laughs> wow. uh, all right and and i won't uh, say more about it but like it because it's it's just fun to experience it and then have it explained but it's okay. great <laughs> um i watched ghosts of mars of course uh so who would win in a fight the ghosts of mars or the cockroaches of mars oh the ghosts of mars a hundred percent oh so, really the ghosts okay. of Mars are they're they're non bodily organisms. They Oh yeah, of course. They're they're like they, they hop into bodies and possess them and essentially their thing is they possess their colonizers and tear themselves apart and just destroy the bodies. Uh and like oh. they they'll like but they'll still use the bodies to hunt the others, but they'll like you know, they it like it's it's weird it's sort of a uh puts together a lot of elements of both of the movies we talked about tonight because you know we're we're going to mars we've terraformed mars it's the future and you know a uprising of native or semi-native species uh but they they do the hazuru thing where they uh just constantly pierce themselves and they cut themselves up for like to to make themselves look scarier and yeah, it's oh, weird. Wow. It's not very good. <laughs> okay, that's that's what I wanted because uh, <laughs> it should be. This is a really cool concept, but it's just a western. It's Carpenter, and it's like the concept just sounds great. And but I've been hearing for like however many few weeks that we've been on our Carpenter stuff. This one's <laughs> not great. It's not terrible. Like it's it's pretty fun at times, but it's got problems that are pretty obvious. It's really just a western. Uh 
like it, it's so westerny it's him trying to do a lot of western tropes it's he was at this point in his career he's like i just want to make westerns so his last few movies are like secretly it's a western this one it's not secretly it's just a western on mars there's a fight on top of a train and everything <laughs> it's silly uh, it's not bad but it's not good <laughs> better it, or it, worse than vampires uh I'd say Vampires is better made, but uh, yeah, I think roughly equal. Very close together, I'd say. Okay, okay. Like, I don't think either of them are terrible. Both of them are like 60%-ish a good movie. If if uh, there, there could have been a bit more done to make them good. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, next up, Castle of the Living Dead where christopher lee is a mad embalmer Ooh, i love a good christopher lee thing yeah so he has this gothic castle and it's one of these weird unspecified semi-medieval eras where he invites a bunch of traveling players to perform in his castle and he's like i don't know it could be 800 years ago it could be 100 years ago it's castle time <laughs> yeah, it's it's the castle era. Uh and you know, they they all come to perform and he's slowly picking people off cuz he embalms people and you know, he freezes them as if they were in life. Uh, and you know, the castle is all full of taxidermy animals and uh S- Donald Sutherland plays three different roles that cool. he has a lot of fun with every one of them. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, next up, The Incredible Shrinking Man, which is a sci-fi masterpiece. You know, one of the best of the 50s, I would say. It's about this guy who passes through a radioactive mist while he's out on a boat and just starts shrinking about six months later. And it's it's very existential. It's more about the experience of just losing your power through becoming smaller. And it's sort of this uh it, it's sort of a pivot point in the in in like american masculinity you know it's it's moving out of war into the corporate world you know we're 57 ish so it's no. oh yes uh he he uh, ultimately he has to refocus his energies to uh become human again and I, 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 a lot of the same sort of stuff that we're we're kind of talking about with uh tokyo fist (laughs) tokyo (laughs) fist they're not trying to become human again yeah no i'm Uh, gonna be a bug no uh, in terms of just living your life and having that kind of fire and energy and stuff yeah Uh, actually that no it does remind me a lot of tokyo fist because yeah they're, they're just trying to learn how to be people try not to be reduced to nothing by the giantness of the world around them uh, and yeah, it's it's very good. It's it's just super well made. It's written by Richard Matheson, who did a bunch of great Twilight Zones. Uh, yeah, it's just super. Cool, cool. Uh, and last one is Tourist Trap. Uh, you know, the, I, I mentioned this last week. It's a guy who has psychokinetic powers, who's controlling a bunch of mannequins in this rundown roadside attraction uh, with, you know, killing people with mannequins, killing passing tourists and turning them into further mannequins and sometimes he wears a giant skin mask that makes him look like jay leno (laughs) (laughs) 
I had a pretty good. Hey, time. Uh, I'm killing you at the uh, at the thing, but uh, have you seen the headlines? Yeah, you seen these headlines? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so oh, that's, that's someone to go back in time. This is not a joke. Uh, so those are the five. Uh, not a pretty small array this week. Okay. Um. Well. The, the Shrinking Man one does sound really interesting, but you kind of sold me on the Your Vice is a Locked Door and only I have the key. All right. Is there That's... any reason, though, why I should pick Shrinking Man over that one? Uh, not really. I mean, there... I, I would say that Shrinking Man is a movie you should see at some point, but, you okay. know, it'll, it'll it, it does sound like so. Sorry. It'll stay somewhere in the mix. We'll we'll get okay. to it at some point. Cool. Right? right on. So, yeah, let's let's do Your Vice is a Locked Door and only I have the key. Oh, oh right. no! Your vice is a locked room. A locked room. Have the key. and only I have the key. Indeed. All right. So the new additions. We have five of these as well. Uh, we've got genocide. First up, this is a movie. Uh, this is a Japanese horror movie, sci-fi about a horde of intelligent insects who were bred by a Holocaust survivor, acquire a nuke so they can take out humanity. It sounds totally nuts. Uh, <laughs> from the Carpenter ones, we've got his last film, The Ward. Uh, it's about Amber Heard being kept against her will in a mental ward. I saw this a decade ago, and it's it was really boring, and I don't remember much else about it. Uh, my recollection is it is his worst movie, hmm. unfortunately. Uh, just it has no character. It just doesn't have any of the character of his other work. Uh, next up, tortured the torture chamber of Doctor Sadism. Another great movie title. <laughs> Wonder what it's about. Uh, so this is actually another one based on an Edgar Allan Poe short story. Oddly enough, it's based on the Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, and it's the, so this guy, he's this mad count, and he was drawn and quartered for torturing twelve people to death, and then. It's like 35 years later, I think, and he returns from the dead to go after the children of the person intended to be his last victim. Uh, and interestingly enough, it's from the director of Chariots of the Gods. Oh, no kidding. Same director. <laughs> Completely different sort of movie. I've seen yeah. this one once before, but the so this is the new uh, this is from that Christopher Lee Eurocrypt box from Severin. Uh, okay. I have a previous version of it also from Severin, which was extremely poor quality. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one, which is supposed to be way better transfer. <laughs> uh, next up, Property is No Longer a Theft, uh, which is an Elio Petri film, kind of a leftist fantasy satire. It's a, about a bank clerk who is allergic to money. <laughs> and then there is an asshole customer that he gets sick of dealing with. So he decides to become a thief and steal everything in this guy's life instead. <laughs> oh, my God. So so they just basically were like, what kind of movie does Shanna want to watch? <laughs> Let's make that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it sounds pretty funny. And like he he's allergic to money, so he can't touch the stuff he steals. <laughs> uh, he, he has to wear gloves and stuff 
Uh, and last edition is The Creature with the Atom Brain, uh, which is the first in uh, Arrow's uh, new Sam Katzman box uh, from the guy who did The Giant Claw. Same oh. producer. And Giant Claw is actually in this as well. This is that <gasps> set that I got way back when. Uh, so oh, that's, oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this one is about this crime boss who hires a former Nazi scientist to reanimate his dead goons and like fight the fight the cops as radiation zombies with their atomic brains I, I have seen it before but not in a few years i remember it being pretty fun but you know very hokey you know of it's course. you know it's it's the same production level as giant claw of course oh good yeah it's the worst no yeah the worst kaiju ever i love it so much it's so good it's so good it's so <laughs> I'm so glad it exists. <laughs> One of my all-time favorites. Uh, all right, so uh, those are all the additions. Uh, what are we looking at watching next week? Well, um, we've talked about it a couple. T- uh, we've talked about it a couple times, so I feel like we kind of have to actually get around to it. Uh, Joe versus the volcano. All right. And I could introduce my. Tom Hanks is a slasher movie. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that we we talked about after watching. He knows you're alone. Weird movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks's first film. Uh, don't yeah. see it. I don't recommend no, it. <laughs> not a good one. Although, yeah, we we talked about that, and I think you didn't recommend it at the time, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> Indeed, but Joe vs. the Volcano is a minor classic, so yeah, it'll be fun to revisit that one. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. Cool. And I, I figure it'll probably be a good contrast for our other one. Yeah, um, I think that'll be a pretty stark contrast, a romance versus an anti-romance. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, so next week on The Stacks, we'll be discussing Joe versus the Volcano and Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. Uh, all right. Thanks so much awesome. for listening, as always. And we'll see you next time. Keep watching the stacks.